Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 73 for Thursday, January 6, 2011. The intro music you just heard was The Omen of Geneva, and the artist was Neko Frog One. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that number is 347-324-3541. All right, our first show of 2011. Of course, a lot of crazy things happened over the break. I'm hoping you guys had a great holiday vacation, I guess, for some of you guys and got all the gifts you wanted. Um 2010 went out pretty uneventful for me, which was which was good, nice and quiet. Of course, the big thing going on um, with the start of 2011 is the randomly dying birds, and of course, everybody's talking about the apocalypse. Total total horseshit. Of course, to start the year out, and of course, CES is going on. There's a lot of stuff um, going on in regard to that that will be mentioned on the show this evening. Um, the CES coverage on the site has been limited just because been getting murdered at work, and all the press for CES has been happening while I'm working, so I can't put the stuff on the show on the website the way I'd like to, but nonetheless, there is going to be some stuff popping up from time to time. You can also check the Facebook fan page and, of course, check the forums as well, and you guys will be able to see what's going on and check out some of the videos that are going to be um, popping up from CES over the next few days. There's also going to be... A um, couple of things I want to announce. First off, there's going to be some downtime on My Take Radio this weekend, hopefully. Um, the anticipation is for My Take Radio 3.0 to launch officially. Um, hopefully, by Monday, you guys will be seeing the new 3.0 version, which has um, come, come along quite a bit. In addition to that, I would also probably be launching a nicely matched forum version that's going to go with the site as well. Um, I'm adding a new app to the site, which is going to allow you guys to access the forum via mobile, either through the iPhone, iOS, or through Android. I will be testing that out this weekend, so if you see a couple of crazy things going on in the forum, don't be alarmed. It's just going to be some testing going on. Of course, our Facebook fan page, we're well on our way to 600 fans. Definitely a big shout-out to the new fans, especially those from Europe that for some reason seem to be uh, liking. They like to send me emails. I actually um, got an email from a guy named John who said he is listening from Germany. Um, He just wanted to say that he enjoyed the show and he's looking forward to 2011 and to lots of more fighters because he is a huge MMA fan. He went on to say his favorite fighter is Vanderlei Silva, so it's all good in my book. 
definitely thanks a lot for your email for that. Great way to start 2011. Uh, new posts. Uh, we got some posts from Bronx this week from Brian. He put up a post regarding the um, announcement for Mike Hagar and for Phoenix slash Dark Phoenix in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. He also shared his thoughts on CM Punk and the Nexus, so definitely check that out on MyTakeRadio.com as well. Um, the iTunes app, if you want to take My Take Radio with you and you have an iPhone, you can look for it on iTunes. It'll run you $1.99. Um, again, couldn't make it free, but it's a buck ninety-nine. Don't buy some Starbucks. Don't buy some chicken nuggets. Um, and pick up the app. In addition to that, there will be an Android app launching probably within the next two weeks, hopefully. So My Take Radio will have an app presence on iTunes and on Android as well. And, of course, our content partners this week in wrestling and MMA Valor, of course, have been supplying content for My Take Radio throughout through, through the last few months of 2010, and I look forward to all their content for 2011. As a matter of fact, Josh from MMA Valor will be joining me later on. He's probably going to uh, gloat a little bit about some of the UFC fight picks and how they fared um, with, at UFC 125. I also want to discuss uh, Dynamite from Japan, um, uh, crazy-ass Japanese MMA tournament. I've been, especially now with HDNet, since I've been on Fios, I've been trying to catch more of the Japanese MMA, and, man, I have to tell you, between K1 and Dynamite and some of the other promotions, there's a lot of great talent out there, so I definitely want to share with you guys my thoughts on the Dynamite pay-per-view. Um, in addition to that, um, My Take Radio is trying to get not well they we were nominated for a shorty award which is an award for uh those of us that are on twitter that provide great content in addition to that um a couple of fans have nominated my take radio for a couple of different categories gaming uh entertainment uh for some reason journalism but it, it's all good so if you want to help out and and you are on twitter and have a twitter presence head over to shortyawards.com, S-H-O-R-T-Y, awards.com, and nominate MTR. I definitely think, considering some of the competition in some of those categories, I definitely think we can do that. So um, check that out as well. So head over to shortyawards.com and nominate MTR. Do us a favor. Let's see if we start getting a little bit more uh, mainstream appeal. And last but not least, um, the big announcement Next week, my guest will be, uh, you may know him from a couple of different things, uh, Undisputed 2, Spawn, but of course the, the role that everybody seems to be all over him for recently is for Black Dynamite. He was also in The Dark Knight, and my guest next week will be Michael Jai White. So he will be joining me next week um, to talk about Black Dynamite, some of his new projects he's going to be writing and directing, the Never Back Down sequel, of course, aptly titled Never Back Down 2, um, has a couple of MMA fighters in there, one of which is Todd Duffy, who fought Alistair Overeem at the uh, Dream pay-per-view, at the uh, Dream event. So it all ties in together. So, yeah, Michael Jai White will be my guest next week. Um, there will be some guests for the last two weeks in January, and we have something special planned for you guys in February, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Michael Jai White will be live next week. So that's the, that's the big news for you guys. Um, there's going to be lots to discuss. I don't know if we're going to be taking calls or not. 
Um, as of right now, I know he's going to call in, and we're going to talk about a shitload of stuff. But um, if he's comfortable, we'll take some calls, and we'll discuss some of his projects and, you know, of course, answer your questions. But in the event I don't take any calls and you guys have any questions regarding any of the roles he's done, by all means, send them over to mtrhost at gmail.com or mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and I will try and ask as many of your questions as I can. All right. That's going to wrap up some of the housekeeping for this week. Um, Josh from MMA Valor will probably be joining me around 1130. So I just want to get some MMA news out of the way. Of course, tonight's topics, UFC 125. We're going to be talking Dream. We're going to talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw. We are also going to be talking about some of the stuff from CES, a lot of game and movie news, um, some things of note. Uh, we're going to talk about the numbers that Connect has. We're going to talk about the Strike Force World Grand Prix Tournament, which is going to be insane. Um, Andrea wrote a really great article about the tournament, and there were some things that happened which I was not – um, a fan of in relation to how the tournament is going to go, but definitely check that shit out as well. Um, wow, my screen just took a dump. Don't mind me, I actually did a little surgery on my computer and upgraded the memory, so I have like a thousand windows open, and um, I just want to acknowledge Billy from Beantown Gamer who sent in a, uh, who sent me a Skype message for a Dead Space Ignition code. Uh, to give away. Um, we'll probably either give it out th throughout the broadcast or on the Facebook fan page. Either way, definitely thanks to Beantown Gamer for providing that to the MTR fans. Dead Space Ignition Code giveaway either during the broadcast tonight or sometime uh, over the next day on the Facebook fan page. All right. With that said, let's talk a little bit of MMA first. There's a ton of shit going on. And before we do that, Hear this first before we get it started. All right, let's talk some MMA first. Uh, first off, and the Ultimate Fighter music was fitting for this particular uh, bit of news, uh, Bruce Leroy from this past season of The Ultimate Fighter, of course, a lot of people were wondering why Bruce Leroy did not fight on the Ultimate Fight Night card. Bruce Leroy actually had a shoulder injury at the time of the event and, of course, did not get an opportunity to compete. But he will be competing at UFC Fight Night 24. Um, there's some verbal agreements in place, and he will be fighting Mackin Semizer um, from WEC, who, of course, came over in the transition to the UFC. So definitely check that out. Also on that card, which is going to be taking place March 26th, um, even though it hasn't officially been confirmed, uh, Antonio Rogerio Noguera is going to be fighting Tito Ortiz, Dan Hardy versus Anthony Rumble Johnson, which is going to be a fantastic fight. I can't even pick a, a winner on that fight because I'm, I'm a huge Rumble Johnson fan, and Dan Hardy's awesome. The guy trained with Shaolin Monks. If you've never seen the um, UFC 24-7 special, definitely do yourself a favor and check that out only because you'll get a lot of great insight on Dan Hardy. He's a, he's a, he's a really cool dude. I, I actually had a lot of reservations about him as a, as a fighter. And then when I actually saw a little bit about his story and how he came up, um, he got a lot of respect for me and his performance against GSP, even though he did lose that fight, 
the, the guy's a ballsy motherfucker, so definitely Dan Hardy, Rumble Johnson is going to be a great fight. Also rumored on that card is Sean McCorkle uh, fighting Christian Moorcraft, Amir Sadala fighting Dwayne Ludwig, and of course, like I said, Alex Caceres, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy, is going to be fighting Mackin Semizer, and that's going to be taking place March 26th in Seattle. In addition to that, there's actually a lot of UFC event news for this week. UFC 128 is starting to come together as well. That's going to be March 19th in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, Shogun will be defending his belt against Rashad Evans. Also on that card, you've got Uriah Faber fighting Eddie Wineland. Uh, recently announced Jim Miller is going to be fighting Kamal Chalarus. Uh Kurt Pellegrino, of course, from Jersey is going to be fighting Gleason Tebow. You've got Edson Barboza fighting Anthony I, I always mess up this guy's name. I think it's An- Anthony Njokwani. I always fuck it up. I apologize if I mispronounce his name. Joe Benavides and Ian Loveland is going to be a kick-ass fight. And recently announced Yoshiro Akiyama is going to be fighting Nate Marquardt. Uh, Akiyama was supposed, to, was supposed to be fighting Chael Sonnen. And boy, do I have some Chael Sonnen news for you guys. Mirko Krokop is going to be fighting Brendan Schaub. That's rumored to be on that card. Hasn't been confirmed. Uh, Ricardo Almeida and Mike Pyle also rumored on that card. Nick Catone and Dan Miller and Luis Kane and Carlos Vemela uh, to round it out. The Marcourt, Schaub, Pyle, Miller, and Vemela fights haven't officially been announced, but everybody feels that it's a strong possibility we will be seeing those fights at UFC 128. Moving on, the UFC Fight Night 23, which is going to be the fight night for the troops, is going to be taking place January 22nd, and that's going to be at Fort Hood in Killeen, Texas, and you're going to get that on Spike TV. Um, Mike Swick was actually supposed to be fighting on that card against Dave Mitchell, but the match ended up being scratched just because Mitchell suffered an injury, and Swick opted to pull out because he's been dealing with some esophagus issues, so... Swick and Mitchell will not be meeting at the fight for the troops, but you got some kick-ass fights on that card. You got Evan Dunham versus Melvin Gillard, huge Melvin Gillard fan, so definitely pulling for him in that fight. You got Tim Haig and Matt Mitrione. You got Mark Hominick and George Roop. You got Pat Hyperdie Barry versus Joey Beltran, which is going to be a kick-ass fight too. In addition to that, you got Cole Miller fighting Matt Wyman on the prelims. Uh, Mike the Joker Guyman fighting Demarcus Johnson. That's that's a great fight. I'm surprised that's not going to be televised. I hope it is. Also, Chan Sung Young is going to be fighting Ronnie Yaya. You also got Waylon Lowe uh, fighting Willamy. I always fuck up this guy's name, too. I, I would say it's Freye, but I could be wrong. Also on that, you're going to have Amakal Alves fighting Charlie Brenneman and Eve Edwards fighting Cody McKenzie, which is going to be badass seeing some thug jitsu fighting the standout from the last season of The Ultimate Fighter. In some other UFC card news, UFC 127, which is Penn versus Fitch, that's going to be taking place February 27th out of Sydney, Australia. Um, a lot of people aren't giving a lot of credit to this card just because they feel that Fitch and BJ Penn isn't a solid main event. I don't know what the fuck people are smoking. Um, it seems John Fitch gets a lot of hate just because his fights aren't super exciting. Uh, the guy's a talented fighter. And I'm sure that a performance against BJ Penn will be exciting. In addition to that, you got Bisping fighting Jorge Rivera. You got Dennis Seaver fighting George Sotteropoulos. You got Carlos Condit fighting Chris Lytle. That has Fight of the Night written all over it. And on top of that, you got Chris Camozzi fighting Kyle Noak. On the prelims, Spencer Fisher and Ross Pearson is going to be a badass fight. Uh, Ricky Fakuda and Nick Ring. Um, Alexander Gustafson and James Tahuna also stand out fights on the prelims. Mark Hunt and Chris Tuchera. Um 
And, of course, you got Anthony Paroche, who is from Australia, fighting against Tom Blackledge. So definitely a great few months out of the UFC with some real kick-ass cards. In addition to that, Strike Force is going to be doing a Challenger Series tomorrow night on Showtime. The main, the main card that will be televised is Tarek Safadine fighting Tyrone Woodley. If you haven't seen Woodley fight, you should definitely should check it out. And you should also check out Daniel Cormier. He's going to be fighting Devin Cole. Uh, Daniel Cormier is no joke. That guy's the fucking truth. Um, Ron Humphrey's going to be fighting OSP over in St. Preux. Uh, you got Julia Budd fighting Amanda Nunez in some female MMA action. And John Richard is fighting Roddy Ferguson. Um, that's definitely going to be ridiculous just because originally it was supposed to be uh, Lon uh, Cherdivara. He was supposed to be fighting and um, he's being replaced by John Richards to fight the U.S. National Judo Champion 2004 Judo Olympian Dr. Roddy Ferguson. So you'll be able to check that out tomorrow night on Showtime, so definitely check that out as well. Last but not least, the UFC 126 card got a late edition as well, which is really shaping up to be super solid, and this may actually be one that I'm going to have to order, no questions asked. Of course, Anderson Silva is going to be defending that middleweight title against Vitor Belfort, so that's that's going to be huge. And of course, you got Forrest Griffin fighting Rich Franklin. You got Jake Ellenberger fighting Carlos Roca. Ryan Bader and John Bones Jones is going to be fight of the night, one way or the other. One way or the other. Of course, you also got Antonio Banuelos. He's fighting Miguel Angel Torres, uh, huge Miguel Torres fan. He is no joke. On the prelims, you got Paul Kelly fighting Donald Cerrone. You got Chad Mendes fighting Omigawa. Uh, Gabe Rudiger's on that card against Paul Taylor. Demetrius Johnson's going to be fighting Kid Yamamoto. That needs to be on Spike TV. I don't give a fuck what they do, but we definitely need to hit up Dana White on Twitter for that. Kyle Kingsbury's going to be fighting Ricardo Romero, and Mike Pierce is going to be fighting Kenny Robertson. Got to give a shout-out to MMA Junkie for that bit of news because I actually did not see that earlier today. Um Definitely intrigued at the Forrest Griffin-Rich Franklin fight um, just because that really is another another fight on the card that can go either way. Um, I, I really like Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin's always fun to watch. I mean, a lot of people kind of wrote him off after his performance against Anderson Silva, and everyone's like, oh, you know, Forrest has lost a step. And, you know, people people lose all the time in MMA. I really hate when guys all of a sudden write people off, oh, this fucking guy, he fucking sucks. It's like, look, man, you're not in there getting punched in the face and getting your brain fucking scrambled. You know, it's like it's like some of these guys, their fucking brains when their careers are over look like they fucking got poured out of, out of a cup at Smoothie King. So, you know, save your armchair quarterback shit for somebody who really gives a fuck. It's unfortunate. I like Forrest Griffin. I like Rich Franklin. Um... The fight can go either way, and it's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially in the light heavyweight division, which is really stacked with talent. So, again, a fight we definitely need to see. Let's talk about my buddy Chael Sonnen. Like I said earlier in the in the broadcast, Chael Sonnen was supposed to fight Yoshihiro Akiyama. Of course, Chael Sonnen, you know, is been has been suspended due to having high testosterone levels. Of course, he ended up uh, going to a hearing saying he had some issues where he wasn't producing testosterone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Typical Chael Sonnen madness, um, at which point Chael Sonnen started trash-talking Vanderlei Silva, which everybody was expecting was going to be a no-brainer of a fight to book. Needless to say, that did not happen, and he was set up to fight Akiyama. Earlier this week, 
it was announced that our buddy Chael pled guilty to federal charges of money laundering, which, if he is found guilty, will mean that he will go to jail for 20 years and have to pay up to $500,000 in fines. The U.S. District Attorney's Office in Oregon announced Sonnen's plea via press release. Sonnen's sentencing is set to begin March 29th, 10 days after he's expected to fight. he was expected to fight Akiyama at UFC 128. Currently, nobody's mentioned anything about a plea bargain or what's going to happen that, you know, it would be able to save him getting any jail time. Of course, once that happened, shortly thereafter, Dana White announced that Chael Sonnen has been suspended by the UFC. Dana White said the following. Chael Sonnen has gone through a lot in the past few months, and we think it's, it's important for him to focus on getting his personal life together before focusing on his career in the UFC. Of course, like I said, Sonnen was in talks to fight Akiyama at UFC 128. Not happening. Chael Sonnen's contract has been temporarily frozen, but it's, 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 a, it's really fucking serious. His plea deal has him agreeing to give up his realtor's license and pay a $10,000 fine. The U.S. District Attorney's Office is seeking two years probation. Of course, like I said, he's going to be sentenced in March. Of course, Chael, not doing good. He's got the suspension from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, which, for, like I said, for the elevated uh, levels of testosterone after his fight with Anderson Silva. So it's, it's not good to be Chael. Not good to be Chael right now. It's, and, and you know the funny thing? And I gotta give a shout out to um to Bloodstain Lane. Um he you know, he said and this was a, a great quote, he said, Chael Sonnen is a great trash talker, but you know, taking taking money from people, uh, you know, through shady real estate shit, that's a that's a real scumbag move. Um Chael Sonnen the person and Chael Sonnen the fighter to me are are two different things. I'm always gonna be a fan of Chael Sonnen the fighter. The guy's entertaining, he talks a load of shit. And he makes the hype for the fights very exciting. Plus, you know, if he says, I'm going to go in there and punch you in the face, he, he's done pretty good on delivering in regards to the Anderson Silva fight. But to go and pull some shit like this, it's real fucked up, man. It is definitely real fucked up. Of course, after every UFC event, it seems that they swing the guillotine and chop off a couple of fighters. Um, of course, I'm going to definitely be discussing that with, Josh from MMA Valor, but I, I was really upset with some of the cuts. Uh, the first cut that I got to talk about is Antonio McKee. Um, he was going to fight Jacob Volk. Well, he fought Jacob Volkman, and he ended up losing via split decision. One fight, not even televised, and he got cut. I mean, a lot of people were kind of shitting on him for getting beaten by Christmas, but that's crazy that he came in. The dude hadn't lost a fight since 2003 which is insane. And he comes in, he loses, boom, one and done. Also cut was Marcus Davis, which I'm really bummed about. I'm a huge fan of the Irish hand grenade. Um, he was 9-6 and six in the UFC. Um, he was released following his loss to Jeremy Stevens. I was, I was really bummed. Um, not because of the cut. I was bummed because his fight against Stevens, he looked really well at 155. And all of a sudden, he got caught, man. He got caught. The guy's a, a workhorse. He, he's, he's been good in the UFC. The guy's won fight of the night honors, knockout of the night honors, submission of the night honors. So I'm sure wherever he goes, 
he will definitely land on his feet. It's just, it's just, you know, I'm bummed as a fan. I was definitely a fan of his. Uh, Phil Baroni, uh, my buddy Phil Baroni, um, I picked him to beat Brad Tavares during last week's MMA panel. It did not happen. Baroni got knocked out. But um, the thing about that is that Baroni looked really good in this fight. Um, he wasn't winded. He seemed to do well. He just got caught. But, you know, you get a couple of losses under your belt. I'm sure that wherever he goes, he's, he's got a, a lot of fan appeal. People definitely like to see him fight. i got to definitely support a New York boy. And um, he was always fun to watch, so I, I can't complain. In addition to that, um, a bit of news that I'm sure is going to bum slick out, the UFC announced that they released Brandon Vera following his loss at, to Thiago Silva. This is Vera's third loss in a row. Um, but the truth is another guy that he can, he can get cut and he'll end up in strike force or he may go to Bellator or he may just do a stint in Japan and he may bounce back. I mean, he was 7-6 and six in the UFC. It's just, it's just not a good look. I mean, his performance against John Bones Jones definitely was, was disheartening, but his performance against Thiago Silva is just a whole other story, which I will discuss with Josh when I bring him on. Um, last bit of MMA news that I'm going to discuss before I bring Josh on. Uh, UFC on versus three. Uh, the main event is going to be Diego Sanchez versus Martin Campman. You're going to be able to check that out March 3rd. And if you're in Louisville, you can check that out at the K. This is the, the greatest name for a stadium, the KFC Yum Center. No, I, I'm not joking. It's KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Martin Campman and Diego Sanchez is your main event. you got C.B. Dalloway fighting Mark Munoz. Uh, you got Alexander Ferreira fighting Rusimal Parjares, which I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, you got Miguel Falcao fighting Alessio Sakara. You got Brian Bowles on that card against Demacio Page. Uh, Cyril Diabati and Steve Cantwell, looking forward to that. You got Matt Brown and Mark Scanlon. And Takeya Mizugaki, who I, I love watching him fight, especially after he fought Uriah Faber. Um, and he's going to be fighting Francisco Rivera. And the last bit of UFC news, before I go into any other news that I'll discuss with Josh, is UFC 129 is officially set up, and it's going to be George St. Pierre defending his belt against Jake Shields, and it's going to be Toronto's first UFC event. That's going to go down April 30th at the Rogers Center. It's expected that it's going to break attendance records because the seating in that venue is 40,000 fans. Um, fights on that card besides the title fight, Randy Couture and Lyoto Machida, Mark Bocek and Ben Henderson, and Pablo Garza versus Eve Jabouin. So, Definitely UFC 129 is going to be a fight to watch for sure. Um, I'm watching this with much interest for a couple of reasons, of course. Number one, number one being that if GSP beats Jake Shields, he's going to basically clean out his division. And next thing you know, it might be time to fight Anderson Silva if Anderson gets past Vitor Belfort. So definitely huge implications, huge. With that, we're going to wrap it up, we're going to bring Josh in, and we're going to talk about Dream, we're going to talk about UFC, we're going to talk about Strike Forces Grand Prix, because I definitely wanted Josh here for that, so let's bring him in. Josh, welcome back, bro. Hey, man, how's it going? Pretty good, yourself? Uh, hanging in there. Well, I, pre I appreciate you stopping in, I know that you are uh, on a tight schedule, um, 
there's a couple things. Like I said, I definitely want to just talk UFC 125 and dream with you and the Strike Force tournament. Um, first, first off, what do you think of UFC 125? Uh, much better than um, you know. I think and most people thought paper. it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, mo- most people thought it was you know kind of a average to maybe even below average card, and you know usually when they think that the the the, the cards are usually pretty damn good. Yeah, I was I was one of those guys, man. I mean, I looked at it on paper, and don't get me wrong, uh, you know that when we talked about it on the panel, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm stoked for it, but. Yeah. It's not it's not it's not sixty dollar excitement. It's it's yeah, I wanna watch it but not for sixty bucks. Right, right. All right. First off, of course, I gotta uh, I, I gotta open up with the heartbreaker with Baroni and Tavares. I know, you know, you guys definitely right pick on that. Um Baroni didn't look bad though. You know, it's just he, he got caught out there. Yeah, you know, I mean when uh when he rocked Tavares, uh, you know, I was like, holy shit, is is, is Baroni going to pull this off? And, you know, he just got caught, like you said. I mean, he did look good, but it's, you know, it's unfortunate. You know, the way that the UFC is right now with, with the merger, I mean, you, you, you lose a couple in a row, you're gone, and he just happened to be one of those guys. I was I was just bummed because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people had already written Baroni off. I mean, he was thirteen and twelve, right? And everybody, you know, he had already been written off, and and I felt bad because you know he had a lot of Twitter hype. He was he was super excited, and I just knew I and and we had discussed this last week. I said if he loses a rap, he's getting cut, and sure as shit, <laughs> it, yep. it's exactly the way it went down, you know. And of course, the the Twitter campaigns, the Dana, ah oh, Dana, you know, get get him a fight in Jersey, which. You know, I wanted to ask you about that because it's like the dude got cut. So how are you tweeting Dana White to put him on the jersey card if he got cut? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, people, you know, as much as Dana White listens to, you know, what goes on through Twitter, he also doesn't listen. And I think people just take that to the extreme, you know, that they're going to be able to say, well, I want this person to fight and that, you know, Oh, somebody said it on Twitter, and and Dana White's going to go and do it, you know? Yeah, I was, I was just, I, you know, like I said, I was bummed, but I wasn't going to retweet that shit. I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like, he'll he'll move on, and that's it. What? Because it's in fucking exactly. injured. Get out of here. Um, Grisby and uh, Poirier, you know, we, we talked about that, and we. We everybody, you know, we were like, ah, hey, you know, it's not a fight we really care about, but everybody kind of picked Grispy. But but yeah. Dustin came in there, man, and he fucking put it on him. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all bought into the hype of of Grispy being, you know, the number one contender and supposedly going to fight Aldo, and <laughs> he just wasn't in the fight, you know, from start to finish. And and it's a, it's a good thing that he didn't fight Aldo because if he'd have looked like that, Aldo would would have you know sent him out on a stretcher. Well, here's here's the funny thing, and and that's what I wanted to ask you. What happens with him now? Now that he's lost and he was in line for the title shot, who's Jose Aldo going to fight? Who do you um, think should get that shot now? You know, I, I could see um, Mark Hominick getting it next. Um, you know, if he goes through, he's fighting. Um, God, is he fight? He's fighting George Roop um, next, and I could see the winner of that fight maybe getting um, a title shot. Um, 
I mean, Griffey won't get it. Um, you know, maybe one of the one one of the um, guys he's already fought. You know, that that division. You know, it's got a lot of fighters in it, but it doesn't have a lot of you know top five guys. You know, that Aldo hasn't beaten already. Yep, it doesn't have dangerous. It doesn't have dangerous competition, and and it bugs me because it's like, especially with this merger, you'd think that that some guys would float up to the top of the pile, you know, some some good guys. But yeah. you know, it's like, what do you do now? Do you give do you give uh, Poirier the shot? I don't think so. But he no. did beat Crispy, who was considered a contender. So it's like, shit, shit gets real crazy, especially with with Jose Aldo, because it's like he can't fight Uriah Faber. You know, right. he's gonna he's gonna be um, he's supposed to be fighting uh, Dominic Cruz. You know that that's you that that's bound to happen. So so what then? I feel bad because Jose Aldo's now in limbo because <laughs> this guy who was fourteen and one got his ass whooped. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough one, and Aldo's also talked about moving up, so that's always you know a, a possibility. Uh, I mean, there's also, I mean, on the card was uh, Mike Brown and Diego Nunes, and Nunes beat Brown. Yep. Uh, who, you know, so, I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he's a possibility. I mean, he's fought five, five times in the WEC and one in the UFC, and is, is five and one. So, I mean, maybe they, maybe they give Nunes the shot with Aldo. I don't know. It's tough. It is tough to book to book Aldo for any fight, and it's like you know you went to all this trouble to getting a lighter division, and you have no guys, no right. guys to do it. It's a, you know it's a you know I I highly doubt that BJ Penn's going to cut to one forty five. No, there's no way he can do that. He 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 doesn't like cutting to to one fifty five. There's no way he's going to go one forty five. I tell you what though, a, a super fight with with Penn and Aldo would be sick, man. Well, you know, I mean, I could see. Aldo, you know, if he fights a couple times at 145 and just, you know, manhandles everybody, I can see him going up to, to 155. I mean, he's talked about it. Um, I, I think at the first talk of, of him fighting on the 125 card, he wanted to fight at 155. Um, that would be sick. So, I mean, I could see him, you know, doing like, like what you were saying with GSP. You know, once he's cleaned the division out, you know, moving up, and I mean, you he gotta, moves you up. Can't, I mean, you can't keep, you can't keep digging guys out for this guy to fight. It's like there's nobody right. left. Right. You know, and I don't know how much weight he cuts. Um, you know, to get down to 145. I mean, maybe 155 is is gonna be more of a natural weight for him. You know, over time. I mean, over time, most fighters end up going up in weight class just because the older you get, the harder it is to cut weight. And absolutely. You know, so I mean, we could see him maybe fight one or two guys at 145 and then move up. Yeah, and then you know, you know that the big thing is everybody's going to be expecting a Jose Aldo, uh, you know, Frankie, you know, Gray Maynard, Frankie, Frankie Edgar, um, Showtime Pettis in that, in that, in that bracket. So right, that's going to shape up really good at 55 if he moves up, man, because that's that's a huge division with some great fights. Yeah, I mean the one forty, the one fifty five division is, is 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 stacked. I mean with with bringing in the WEC guys and then you know the the UFC guys, it's it's just deep and and that's that's also one of the reasons why. I mean, 
like Marcus Davis has got, you know, he got cut. Um, yep. That's, it's, a great, that division, that's a great segue. That's a good, yeah. I mean, that division's huge. That's a great segue. You know, Mar- Marcus Davis, I wanted to just tell you, I, you know, it was fucking heartbreaking, dude, because he rocked Stevens, and he didn't charge in for the finish, which I'm sure he was apprehensive, especially with what's happened to him a few times, but he yeah. rocked them good, man. I was like, fuck you, take them, take them, take them, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, like like Rogan was saying on the broadcast, I mean, he rocked him, and instead of, you know, backing out and trying to knock him out, he kind of went in to grapple. I mean, it was almost like he figured, okay, well, I'll get him up against the cage and drag him down and choke him out, but he was never able to do that, and, and instead of realizing that and backing out and punching, he just held on, and, you know, I mean, it didn't look that big of a deal, you know, where he was going into the the last round, up two rounds, but, you know, <laughs> you give Stevens a chance and, and, and he lands one, he's going to knock you out, and that's just what happened. Yeah, it was it was crazy, man. I was I was so bummed because we, you know, yeah, uh, you know, me and my fiance were watching it, and you know, I, I like Marcus Davis, man. He's a blue collar yeah. dude. You know, he's always he's always on the grind, and and he had him. I was like, what the fuck, man? I, know. I was so bad. Well, and, and then, and, you know, and, the and, get Yeah. Well, and Stevens was throwing haymakers from, you know, probably about the middle of the of the first round. And, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't even like a calculated shot. You know, it was nope. just Davis was coming in. Stevens was throwing a haymaker from right field, and they connected. Yeah, it was, it was, it was hilarious because I really – I like that, and that's sometimes what I really love that Joe Rogan does. Joe Rogan, he was like, he threw a fucking haymaker because mm-hmm. it's like Ro- Rogan knew there was zero technique in that. It was like, it yeah. was just like, oh, my God, please let this connect. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it was. I mean, he, it was, yeah, I mean, it was looking away, throwing it from, you know, the bottom of the canvas all the way up, and it just, <laughs> it's just perfect. Yeah, it was it was it was bad news. Um, for for the pay per view side of things, Gomi and Clay Guida. <laughs> God, I, what, you, what, what you did you say about this one? I I told you I'm like Gomi's gonna go in there and try to do that methodical shit. Clay Clay Guida's fucking Red Bull and Monster Energy drink on two legs hopping around. Yeah, that that the little dance he was doing, man, that would throw anybody off their damn game. Yeah, it's, it's it's ridiculous. It's like I like I saw it, and, and like I said, I like Gomi, and Gomi's really good. But but Guido is no joke, and now it, it it poses that question. Guido's been, you know, he's been taking guys out. Do you see yeah. him as a guy that you could see in title contention? Well, what with Guido, the the thing that seems to happen with him is when he fights the guys that are probably just outside of the top five, he he beats them. You know, but every time he has seemed to step into that that upper echelon, he just can't get it done. I mean, he 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 needs to fight a guy, say like a Kenny Florian or, um, I mean, it, say an Anthony Pettis or uh, BJ Penn. If he went back down to 155, he needs to fight one of those top guys and show the UFC, that that he can beat a, a top-level guy. I mean, I mean, you've heard Dana White. He says it all the time. You know, he doesn't like those guys that seem to, you know, quote-unquote choke in the big fights. Um, yep, Nate Marquardt, I mean, who he likes to say. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, and, and Kenny, Kenny Florian, I mean, he's called him a, you know, a, a choker in the big fights, you know. So, you know, I mean, he's got to show Dana White that he can beat, you know, a big guy. And maybe Gomi is that to, you know, to Dana, and then he puts him in there. I don't know. Well, not, not for nothing. I thought of a matchup, and I wanted to run it by you. Clay Guida and Ben Henderson. Yeah, um, I, I think I heard that on the internet. Um, I know Henderson's scheduled to fight. Um, he's fighting somebody in Toronto. Oh, Bocek in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean that would be a good matchup. That that would be so disgusting on so many levels. You know, you got the you got the wrestling, you got a frenetic pace, and that can go either way. You know, that that's definitely a contender fight right there. Oh yeah. Yeah, or, you know, or even a fight with, uh, I mean, Donald Cerrone. He he just stepped in for, for somebody, but having him fight, you know, a Donald Cerrone would be, you know, huge too. Yeah, Don, Donald Cerrone and, and and him wouldn't be a bad fight either, definitely. All right, Nate Diaz, Dong Young Kim. I didn't see this coming a mile away. I expected, uh, you know, so, uh, so, some Stockton chokeouts with middle fingers, but. Uh, didn't happen, man. Yeah, you know, Kim showed a lot of. Um, I mean, he 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 really just showed a lot of strength. I think that was the key to the fight. Was, you know, whatever he was able to take Diaz down all the time, and you know, whenever Diaz went for you know a triangle or, or tried to grab an arm for an arm bar, you know, Kim's strength. He was just able to get out of it and. Um, you know, pretty much do whatever he wanted to do with, with Diaz. And, and, you know, that surprised me. I thought that I kind of figured Kim would get him down just because of his his background, but I, I would, didn't think he'd be able to muffle out of those submissions. Hell no. When he, when he pulled out of the, uh, out of the Kimura, I was like, yeah. I was like oh, I'm like, this is going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing now. You got this guy, he's, he's undefeated now. You know, he's talking about he wants GSP. You think he? You think he's in that 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 upper echelon to to be asking for title shots? You think? No, I don't think he. I don't think he's fought the. I mean, he he fought Diaz is probably the biggest name that he's fought so far. So I think he's at least one fight away. I mean, you got to remember, like you said, the one seventy. The opponents for for a, a GSP are. are you know, that he hasn't already fought, are getting thin. So, I mean, he, for him to ask, it's probably not a, you know, too far-fetched of a thing, but he's probably at least, at the best, one fight away, you know, maybe fighting someone like a... Uh, like Yeah, like a cost check or, or something a like Koscheck that. A fight would be awesome, dude. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, you've you got to think that if Fitch beats... Uh, BJ Penn, that he will probably be next in line for the, for the belt just because yeah. of his you know, body of work. Um, of course, but you know, know but, Dana White is hoping in his heart of hearts that GSP wins and then leaves <laughs> and moves up for to fight Anderson because you know he he is he is avoiding booking that Fitch GSP fight. You know that yeah. you can see it already. Yeah, you know another good one would be uh, Kim versus uh, Tiago Alves. 
Oh, I'd love to see that. Thiago Alves with the with the Muay Thai. We, you know, let's see if he can if he can take him down. You know, he's got that. You know, he's reinvigorated. You know, the, the Mike Dolce yeah. diet helped him out, man. And I doubt that would be sick too. I mean, I like Thiago Alves. I think that this is a um, you know hopefully a resurgence for him, especially now that he's yeah. got his weight issue under control. But those those are all solid fights, but. I like how he's like, yeah, I want to call out GSP. And I'm like, dude, you only beat Nate Diaz. Not to shit on Nate because I, I love the Diaz brothers, but it's like you got to beat a Fitch or, or an Alves. you got to beat those contenders before you, you start calling guys like that out. Exactly. Thiago Silva and Brandon Vera. That wasn't even a, a fight, man. That was a rape. Charges yeah. should have been, been filed on that shit. Poor, poor Brandon Vera's face. Oh, dude, his fucking, the bridge of his nose got scoliosis after he got it broke. You know, I mean, two fights in a row, he's got something on his damn face broke. I mean, it's just horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was, it, you know, a lot of people, it was it was crazy that so many people were calling for him to get cut, which was kind of crazy because I've never, I've never seen it. They were like, uh, I was like, is he finally going to get cut now? I was like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Brandon Vera was one of those, you know, can't miss people. They talked him up. Like, I remember, remember he was in the heavyweight division, and he was like, you know, I'm going to be the first two uh, uh, two division champ at the same time. And he just there was so much hype behind him, and then just he hasn't produced. And I think people after his last two fights where he's just you know gotten destroyed, it's just like oh, I'm done with you. Go away. That's fucked up. How'd you feel about Thiago Silva's uh, sportsmanship? You know, he, he he clowned him a lot, man. You know, I it really didn't bother me. I mean, I think people people seem to forget that you know the 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 tapping on the back or, or even the, the 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 spanking. I mean, we've seen that before. I mean, the, the you know Randy Couture did that. Yep, he did it to Tito. Right, you know, I mean, I saw on, I've seen on the internet about people. I mean, John Jones got mad about it. I mean, Brandon Vera was turtled up, and it, it came to a point where there was sometimes where Silva couldn't throw a, a shot to his head. He was just, he would have been back of the head, you know. Right. So he was doing open hands. He was slapping him in the back. I mean, I mean, it was almost more of a taunt to the ref. You know, like, what do you, What more do you want me to do to call this fight, you know? Yep. I mean, you, you know what the thing is, and, and this is how, how I call it, where people got to get past the fact that you can't showboat in sports. I mean, you see this with people complaining about end zone celebrations and you can't do this or, or you'll get a technical for this or you can't call a call. It's like, what the fuck happened to sports, man? It's like, it's like right. why did we become such pussies with it? It's like, so why he fucking slapped him on the head? It's not like he punched him after the bell. It wasn't some Paul Daly shit. It's like it's like come on, like like like, like loosen loosen your fucking jock straps a little bit. It, it was absurd to, to to sit there and be like, you know, man, and, and you see the fucking hundred and forty character warriors pop out. That was some foul ass shit, man. You shouldn't have done that. It was poor sportsmanship. Look, man, nothing spoke more poor, poor sportsmanship than Daly punching Koscheck after the bell. You know, and, and people weren't so right. fucking incensed. They were like, all right, he kind of fucked up. But, you know, people were begging Daly to stay after that. So it's like, it's like so right. nice. he, you know, he, he clowned him a little bit. It is what it is. It's like, it's like stop fucking complaining. 
Yeah, well, I mean, half of them were probably Vera fans, and the other half, you know, probably don't bitch about when the Diaz brothers, you know, stick their chin out and taunt. Yeah, I do all that stuff. So, I mean, whatever. Dude, nothing beats Nate Diaz having that guy in the triangle and flexing and giving the fans exactly. the finger. Yeah, looking what at the camera and <laughs> nobody got pissed off about that. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Oh, well. I know. Leaving and stand. Um, stand fucking, oh, holy shit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, we all knew it was going to be a stand-up war and, I, and we all went, oh, well, Leaving will win this one. Exactly, but Stan Stan came out, and you know he's now he's calling out Vandalay. Um, you know, I I mean it, the fight. Either way, this fight really and a loss didn't hurt either guy. Chris Lieben's a workhorse that he'll fucking come back and fight next week. You know, so right. it, I don't think it, a loss to Stan hurts, but it definitely puts people on notice about Stan's power now in the middleweight division. Yeah, I mean most most people you know, probably didn't realize that he had that kind of knockout power. And, and I mean, I know there's been reports that have come out that said Levin was sick before and, and, and stuff. So, I mean, that could have also played a part in it. But, I mean, they both stepped in there. They both fought and Stan won. And, and uh, I mean, that's really all you can say. Not, not for nothing. I would have liked to have seen Stan fight uh, Nate Marquardt next. If Marquardt yeah, would have been good, That would have been a good fight. I don't, I don't, I don't see uh, Stan fighting uh, uh, Vanderlei next, but I mean, everyone seems to be calling out Vanderlei these days. Yeah, I was meaning to ask about that. What did, what did he do? What did I don't he know. do? And why? I, is I think. Every... Go ahead. I, well, I think everyone wants to use him as a um, stepping stone. as a stepping stone, unfortunately, and you know it's going to be funny when that person gets his wish and. And and say, first round, Vanderlei kicks his ass and the fight's over. You know, I mean, you, sometimes you you know, you got to watch out what you're asking for. Oh yeah, and and it's not like Vanderlei. You know, everybody thinks plastic surgery and and you know his his Brazilian guy promo, which I don't I don't make fun of the Brazilian fighters, but when they all talk English, they all sound the same. It's like I am so happy. I want to thank my <laughs> friends and my family. And dude, they all sound the same. It's like him, Cy- uh, Chris Cyborg, uh, Evangelista Cyborg, e- even Anderson Silva to an extent when he does talk English, except Anderson Silva sounds more like Chris Tucker. But Vanderlei and the rest of those guys, they all, I am so happy. I love my fans. It's like, it's like holy shit, do these guys all have the same dialogue coach? Like, what the fuck? They probably do. Dude, it, it, it's absurd. And, and, of course, to close it out, this lightweight bout, um... Yeah, man, so many people went so many different ways. I called it, you know, I did call it 50-50 because I I saw it that way. How would you see it? Uh, I saw it as a draw. Um, I mean, I I had it as, you know, a 10-8 in the first. I gave the second to to Edgar and the the fourth to Edgar. And then the second. The third round and the fifth round were really close, and so if you give one of those to to Maynard, it was a tie. And that's you know the judge they had at forty seven forty seven. That's how I pretty much scored it. Yeah, I, I, when when I when I watched it later on, I was I definitely I was like, all right, Maynard Maynard caught him in the first, and he put in that work in the first round and the second. But then you know Edgar started coming back, 
and it was just like, you know, Edgar came back in the second. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean the heart the heart that Edgar showed was 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 you know awesome and it was tremendous. Just the fact that he got laid out three times in one round. Um, you clearly saw that Maynard gassed himself out in the first round. The guy could barely lift his hands in the second round. Yep. Um, a good thing that he was able to get through that second round and 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 recover a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it was. It was surprisingly a really good fight. It unfortunately ended in a draw, um, but at least you know I I I think the the judges got it right. Some of the scores of the other judges were a little goofy to make it a split draw, but all in all, it became a draw, and that's what most people thought. I think. Well, you know what was crazy when I was watching it, it, it it's just like. People were kind of underwhelmed when the fight started because, like I said, they were just underwhelmed in general. But nothing, you know, when you hear Randy Couture yelling at Gray Maynard to, you know, to, to whoop his ass, you know, yeah. it, it, it felt like like you were watching some Rocky some Rocky shit. I was I was really impressed. I was like, holy shit, these guys are beating the piss out of each other. Yeah, and and I mean they deserve the immediate rematch. I mean I I know it sucks for for Pettis. And you know, I've, several people have complained about that. You know, I yeah, mean, the bottom line victor. was right. I mean, the bottom line was he, 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 they were told that Pettis would fight the winner. Well, there was no winner. Done. You know, and the fight deserves a rematch. They both want the rematch. You know, so you know, either Pettis waits or he takes another fight. Uh, you know, if if that's what he wants, and and you know, he fights them when they get through with this, you know, third fight. Yeah, it was. It, it's crazy. I mean, the the third fight, everybody's like, oh, it should be in Jersey. And I'm like, do you realize that that fight is right around the corner? Those guys are not going to be ready. Right. Well, Edgar broke his nose, and, and I mean, he, he he's already said that the chances of that happening are, are slim. Yeah, it's, it's going to be ridiculous. I, I mean, I was, a, I was really impressed with – with Edgar, I mean the the guy has the heart of a champion. Now looking at looking at it based the way it went, do you feel that in a rematch Edgar has just a better chance of retaining, or do you think that Maynard's going to switch it up a little bit and 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 not go for the not go for the takedown so early and try and stand with him because he's got a little bit more power? You know, I I, I think that um, I think Edgar might actually get. You know, benefit in the in the rematch. Um, I think when the two stood there and traded, you know, traditional boxing, uh, you know, like we saw in the last, you know, four rounds, you know, Edgar was able to get the better of Maynard. I mean, if you actually look at it, Maynard looked beat up more at the end of the fight than Edgar did, even though Edgar got dropped three times. Yep, he did. He did um, look a little bit more beat up. So, I mean, I think I think Maynard's. Still, his his strong point is going to need to be to, you know, not he he can't dwell on the fact that he dropped him three times in 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 this fight, you know, and think well I can stand with you for for five rounds and I'm going to win the fight. I mean he needs to to stick to what that. works from him. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I, I was impressed with 125, and then you know UFC is trying to put together some solid cards, but um. Let's talk about Dream. I don't want to. I don't want to go through the whole card because that show was three hours long. 
<laughs> but there were three hours. Yeah, well, it, you know, my DVR said three hours. It taped the whole thing, but I think it was a lot longer than three. Seven hours. Jesus Christ. Went to one one in the my time. It went to one in the morning to uh, eight in the morning. So. Yeah, I think it started. I started watching it at three a.m. Probably because I watched until about six a.m. So I I did end up watching the whole card, you yeah. know, later on later on in the morning. But um, you know, I ended I ended up hooking up with the with the Middle Easy guys and playing some EA MMA until the fight started. So there you go. Yeah, but um, I, I want to just pluck a couple of fights out of here. Um, the uh, Kiltaro and Musasi fight was was shocking because just I I thought Musasi was going to come in there and, and and destroy him, but Kiltaro's no he looked good, man, and, and especially in the in the third round. Yeah. Yeah, he he did. Um, um, you know, Masashi just didn't look. Uh, I don't know. He just didn't look sharp. Um, he looked a little. Uh, well, he did. Well, he always does, really. Um, but he he he, did, he looked out of shape too. Um, a little bit, yeah. He looked a little a little flabby, like he didn't cut. He didn't take the shit serious. Like this was a walk in the park. I believe the fight was a heavyweight fight. If I'm not mistaken, and Musashi usually fights at. I mean, he he fought as low as you know he was well, the dream five, right? champ. Well, he was the dream champ at 185, and then he was the Strikeforce champ at 205. So, you know, I mean, it almost looked like if it was a heavyweight fight, it almost looked like well, I don't need to cut any weight. I'm just gonna, you know, show up. And and he was um he was a little flabby. Little bit. I, you know, I, I like, I definitely was impressed with Kiltaro. He's a guy that I think if he, if he makes a transition to MMA, he'll, he'll do some serious damage. Yeah. Um, the Sergey uh, Karatanov fight against uh, Tatsuya Mizuno, this guy fucking, this is only my second time I've seen him fight. I was like, oh, my God, he murdered that guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it was good because, I mean, I don't think a lot of people have seen, you know, too much of, of Karatanov. And, you know, considering he signed with Strike Force and is going to be in the Grand Prix, you know, this was a really good um, opportunity to, you know, to, to see who, what he's all about. And, and, you know, not that he's going to just be a pushover when it comes to the Grand Prix. Oh, it was, it was, it was disgusting. And um, I, I have to bring up this uh, Shinya Aoki and uh, Nagashima bout. Um, total Christ. fucking circus. Let me tell you, I've never seen a dream fight before. Their entrances are so fast. Dude, I'd love to sit there and watch the entrances alone. But when Nagashima came out, I've never seen this guy. And he came out in a, in a cosplay schoolgirl outfit and a fucking wig. I knew it was, I knew it was over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, you know, uh, I mean, a, a dream fights are they're different. You know, I mean, if you're not used to it, you, you know, they, they throw you off. I mean, they're... Their entrances are long and drawn out, and and you know a lot of them are um, are very artsy, and they try to do you know plays and skits to go in there. And but yeah, he, <laughs> when they showed him and he's dressed up like a girl, I was like, holy crap! But I tell you what, though, he threw a knee like a champion. But you know what the funny thing was, you know, with the with the first round being uh, K one and the second round being MMA. It, yeah. I'm like I'm like these fucking guys come up with the craziest shit, especially because 
you know, Shinya Aoki was blatantly disobeying the rules. Blatantly. Yeah. And nobody did a fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the mixed rules was, was totally turning the, the fight into a, the, at least the first round into just a complete joke. And yep. and it, it was almost karma, you know. I mean, it was karma coming back and, and biting Aoki in the ass. I mean, he was running around the ring and doing drop kicks and, I mean, just all this just wacky stuff that, you know, like, I mean, this, half of it, like you said, was, was illegal. And he got warned, like, like 30 times and never got, you know, a point deducted or anything. So, you know, karma... You know, landed a, a knee right to his face and knocked him out. Oh, it was it was sickening. And of course, um, the dream heavyweight bout with the Demolition Man, because you know everybody calls him the Ream, the Demolition Man. He he fucking MDK'd Todd Duffy. It was yeah, insane. that was um, <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> I mean, it's like it just seems like most of the people that they're put people put in front of over him right now, he just basically throws them off to the sides, like just go away. You know, oh, like they're little flies. Them away. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're like flies and he's flicking them. Oh, it was, it was disgusting, man. I, there, there's, there's not even much to, there's not even much to say about this, but you know what bugs me and, 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 you know, we'll close out the segment with the, with the strike force thing, but, but Overeem, Overeem needs to be fighting in the U S more because people don't, People aren't hip to the game. Like, I've seen him. I started watching K1 and shit because I got hip to the game with this guy. And, you know, I watched um, the Ream versus the Voice, and I was like, yo, this dude is, is a whole other level of monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he's, you know, so huge over in, in Japan and, of course, you know, Holland. I mean, he needs to to fight more in the U.S. for a couple reasons. I mean, people still say he's doing steroids, even though the times he has fought, you know, in the U.S., he's been cleared. Now, of course, he could cycle out, you know. So the more he fights in the U.S., I think the more that, you know, stigma will be will, will fade away and, and, you know, they'll give him more credit. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I like I said, I, I hope to see him one day fight in the UFC because he – he he'd do some serious damage there. Yeah, well, he said he wanted to fight Brock Lesnar on uh, the Voices Verse. So. <laughs> yep. You know, if I would let, I mean, but but that that fight would be more of a of a sideshow. You need him to you need a dude that'll stand and trade with him. You know, a Cain Velasquez or or even a Shane Carlin and fucking Overeem fight would be disgusting. Yeah. All right, uh, Zoromskis and Sakuraba. Um, nice ear. Yeah, Sakuraba ended up having his ear ripped off, and, and no, oh. not adjusted radio. His ear did get ripped off in the fight, and of course, Zaromskis won. Sakuraba is a is a he's he just can't, he'll never hang it up. He'll probably die in there. I know, you know. I mean, he the guy had his legs wrapped like a mummy. Uh, you know, he's he he's just way past his prime, and. Um, it was pretty uh pretty brutal fight to see as uh I mean first the the ear had you know kind of popped because it was a cauliflower ear and then, then and then all of a sudden it was like um his ear just got ripped off uh, it was I was like wow I was I was yeah. horrified but it, but you know it, 
you've come to expect some real crazy shit with Sakuraba. It's like, you know, he's going to fight a guy and, like, his leg is going to fall off one day. Like, like that's that's what you're expecting when he fights from now on. Oh, exactly. Uh, Jason High and Sakurai. Uh, Jason High, of course, was on MMA Gospel last night uh, getting getting ripped apart by King Mo. But uh, his, fight with Sakurai, <laughs> his fight with Sakurai was sick, man. Yeah, it was a good fight. Jason High needs to fight in the U.S. more because that was that was that was, that fight was the truth. Yeah, you know, I mean, they need to bring him, you know, whether it's Strike Force or UFC or Bellator or something. He needs to he needs to get over here. Well, the the, the last two uh, that, that that I wanted to bring up, Kawajiri and Josh Thompson. I was I was surprised that Josh Thompson lost this fight, but but Kawajiri was no joke especially in the opening round. Right. I mean, Kawajiri came out in the, the, the first two rounds and really just, you know, manhandled Thompson. And and I don't think anybody really expected that. I mean, it, it, it wasn't until about the third round when Thompson was able to, you know, kind of do what he his game plan. But, um, you know, I think the win by, by Kawajiri, you know, is, is – is going to get him into strike force and probably a, a fight in the next couple months against uh, um, Gilbert Melendez. Yeah, that'd be a good fight to see. Kawajiri and Melendez would be sick. And of course, the uh, the featherweight bout with Bibiano Fernandez and uh, Hiroyuki Takeya. Um, total shocker, man! I didn't think that uh, Bibi Fernandez was going to lose this fight. Yeah. Um... I was fading in and out here. I mean, I was surprised too. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I stayed up the whole. You know, I mean, I got off the radio with you, took a nap, and and uh, started watching this. So I, I hardly got any sleep by the time this fight came on, and and it was yeah, no, fading. But, no harm in that. <laughs> no harm in that. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a shock. I mean, I think most people kind of figured that uh, you know Fernandez would walk away with the belt, um, but. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a shocker. Yeah. And um, just just to close out, close out the MMA segment, the um, you know the Strikeforce Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament, of course, um, has been finalized. You know, you got Fedor, Bigfoot, Silva, Overeem, and Verdum, Arlovsky, and uh, Karatinov, and Barnett and Rogers. Can you explain right. to me? Because maybe I missed it, and, and and you know, my fiance wrote an article about this. Where is the logic in Overeem fighting in the first round with the belt on the line? Because last time I checked, when you do a tournament, you know, whether it's Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter or anything else, you fight your way through the tournament to fight the champion. Right. Well, you know, I mean, and, and here's the weird thing, and, you know, don't I wouldn't put it past Strikeforce. I mean, I've heard several different reports. I mean, at one point I had heard that the belt wouldn't be on the line, and then you know, and then at another time I heard that the belt, you know, every fight over him was going to fight was going to have the belt, you know, and and now they're saying you know the winner gets the belt. Well, obviously the winner is going to get the belt because the champion's in the thing, you know. But I mean, it, it's it's basically the in essence it's Overeem has handed his belt over to Strikeforce and and it's the winner gets it because. If he fights Werdum and loses, Werdum's got the belt. Well, then if Werdum fights Fedor, Fedor has the belt. I mean, he might as well just say, winner gets the belt and not worry about the fact 
you know. Yeah, I, I think it was just fucked up. I mean, you know, you mean to tell me you couldn't find a, another guy to fight Verdum and make the winners meet Overeem in the finals? Like, like, like seriously, it was, it was. I just couldn't understand any, and I tried to wrap my head around it a few different ways. I was like. You know, like like you were saying, I'm like, all right, maybe they want the belt just defended to get people to tune in to all the fights. But that, that it's just so ass backwards, man. Because it's like a tournament, you fight the champion. Like, like what the hell? It's like, is every fight going to end up being a title fight? Because think about it: if Overeem beats Verdum and Fedor beats Silva, Overeem and Fedor for the belt. And then, yeah. you know, if Overeem beats Fedor and he gets to the finals. He's going to have to defend his belt against either either of the other four guys on the other side of the bracket, and it's like he's defended his belt more times in one tournament than he has in his whole career in the U.S. Right. Well, and you know, I mean, people have been asking him to fight more, so there you go. Yeah, that's 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 some wild shit, dude. You know, I mean, I, I had to ask you because <laughs> I, I couldn't understand. Well, I'm like, maybe I missed something. Right. Well, but I mean, putting Overeem, I mean, part of the reason for this. Well, I mean, most of the reason for this tournament is to showcase the fact that they've got, you know, as they want to say, the best heavyweights in the, um, you know, in MMA, and you know they're kicking it, kicking it off in New Jersey. You know, I mean that's a big thing too. Um, you know, and people, Overeem wanted Wardoom. I mean, he's come out and said that. Um, and we're doomed, you know, wanted Fedor again. So, I mean, that's kind of why they put him in the same bracket, which is really weird, but... Yep. You know. <laughs> it, is, it is nuts, man. I'm like, I'm like, is Strikeforce really just trying to... Like, like, like I'm, I'm actually given thought, like, would I go to Jersey to see this fight? Because, because dude, just those two fights, Fedor and Silva and Overeem and, and, and Verdum, are just... They're right there, it's like it's like holy shit, you know. And then you got Overeem's brother on the undercard. Right. Well, the Overeem we're doomed fight um, will be on in March, not in 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 New Jersey. Oh, it, it's not going to be in Jersey. Yeah. Well, because what they did was was, and this is what threw me off. Because at first I thought that because it's Fedor versus Silva and Arlovski versus Karatanov, and those are the two fights that are in New Jersey. And so I thought that oh. was I, I thought that was one bracket, and then on is the card that has yet to be determined what it's going to be at, and, and the date in March is going to be Overeem or Doom and Rogers and Barnett. Um, you know, so I thought that that you know the Jersey card was one bracket and the other card is another bracket, but it's actually Fedor and Overeem are on the the one bracket, and then. You know Rogers and Arlovski and Karatanov. It's almost like a, a a bracket of you know a upper guys and lower guys. You know, it's like you know Team A versus Team B. I mean, there's a definite you know distinct advantage or you know or better fighters in the the Fedor Silva Overeem you know uh, Wardoom bracket. Well, not not for nothing. Do you feel that it was justified for them to put Brett Rogers in this tournament? Because he's lost to Fedor and he lost to Overeem. It's like you know, there's other heavyweight guys in there. Yeah, um, you know, I I I, I think it is. Um, I mean, just the guy because that he has fought those guys. In there. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think the group of guys that they put on there. Um, I mean, they weren't going to put, um, you know, um, Overeem's brother in there, um, you know, and, and like some of the newer guys, like uh, like DC or um, um, one of the other guys. I just don't think that they were going to put him in there, um, you know. And but putting him up up against Barnett, I mean, that's a pretty pretty tough uh, opponent. I mean. Yeah, dude, that's Barnett. Barnett's no slouch, man. He's a he's a psychopath. Right, and there's you know the awesome thing about this thing is, I mean, besides the people, you know, plenty. They really need to think about it. There's some potentially great matchups that people have been wanting for a long time. And when we start off with Overeem and Wardoom, which people have been saying, well, he beat Fader, he needs to fight for the belt. Well, that's what's happening, you know. So, yep. and, you know, and then we could possibly get the long-awaited Fedor and Overeem fight. You know, I mean, people have been saying, well, Overeem or Fedor's been ducking Overeem and, or, or Overeem would get destroyed by Fedor. I mean, we could see that, you know, and then we could see, you know, uh, Fedor versus Barnett possibly, like they, they were supposed to fight at the last affliction. I mean, it, it's, you know, as goofy as there's some things in this, I mean, this heavyweight tournament, could really, a lot of great you know, possibility. Yeah, you know, I mean, depending on what happens, I mean, this could be big. I mean, this could really put Strike Force, you know, into the next level of of being a MMA promote promotion. I just hate and and you know the the, the M one, you know, the M one fist fucking that they're giving Strike Force because it's like it's like yeah, you know, Fedor will be in there and all this grandstanding and all this bullshit. It's like, dude. You guys represent a guy who's considered, you know, one of the greatest heavyweights in MMA. It's like, let the guy fucking fight. Stop right. trying to make money off the guy. You're going to make it regardless. Let him fight. That's it. Right. Well, and it's the problem is, is they're not just, they're not just Fedor's manager. They're also, yep. you know, a promotion in themselves. Yep. You know, and, and so, like, you know they're they're saying that this is that they're that they're two separate deals, but along with Fedor signing a four fight deal, M one is going to be on Showtime now. Yeah, so it's not a coincidence, you know. Way to way way to sneak that in there, I tell you. You know, I mean it's it, it's it's horrible for Fedor's image, um, and it's horrible for you know fans of the sport. I mean these these guys know what they have in Fedor, and they use it to their advantage, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrible thing. I mean, like you said, the Strikeforce uh, Grand Prix tournament has the, you know, has the makings of, of, of making, putting a lot of guys' careers on the map. But I just, I just don't like the M1 shadow, because it's like if Fedor beats Silva and he has to face Overeem, you know, it's like, you know, M1's going to stick their nose in there. Well, we want, you know, the Olympic drug testing for Overeem, and we want this, and and they're just going to ruin any chances of that fight even happening. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a scary thing. Um, you know, there's a reason why, other than injuries, that they're having so many um, alternates. I mean, I've heard rumors that they're going to have four alternates for for this. Of course. Um, They'd be you know, stupid I mean, not to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, there's a couple, there's a couple ways, I mean, like, as, as good as I say this thing could be, it could also be disastrous. 
Uh, I mean, if Overeem and Fedor win, and you know they're in the same so-called bracket together, and you know like M1 steps in and they restructure the, the brackets or do anything goofy or pull the fight off, I mean, it, it could just, I mean, it, it could go from being a potentially you know the biggest thing Strikeforce has ever seen to you know the next Elite XC. Yeah, it, it, it can it can really crush them. Yeah, I mean, they could they could go from from you know how they're saying you know they're they're a rising promotion to you know to to big time struggling and 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 in in serious you know debt. I mean, if they have this, they're hyping this to be in a tournament and M one. It's not out of the realm of possibilities for M1 to be like, well, screw you guys, we're, you know, we're not going to do this fight, yep, whether it's in a contract or not, and just, and just ruin the whole thing. Right. I mean, hopefully, Strikeforce. I mean, they say all the guys are, you know, contracted and signed to do this tournament. So hopefully, they, you know, crossed all their T's, dotted all their I's, and it's, it's. You know, there's no back out clause or something stupid or crazy. You know that these guys are signed and they got to do it, whether they want to face an opponent that they don't want to face. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a wild state of affairs, dude. But I tell you what, it, it's going to be a kick-ass tournament to watch. And you know what? It's going to be free on Showtime. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it's it's probably the most exciting thing out of Strike Force. I mean, some of their title fights and and their cards. You know, are really exciting. I mean, just like tomorrow's uh, Challengers event is probably the best Challengers event they had. But you know, I mean, I, I I'm looking at the bracket right now, and and just looking at it, dreaming of the fact that we're going to see Overeem, Werdum, possibly Overeem, Fedor, and then you know, either Overeem and Barnett or you know, Karatanov. I mean, it's just it's it's mind blowing that we'll see these we could see possibly these fights in the span of a year. Yeah, it's going it's to be a, a, a great time for, for MMA fans and fans of the heavyweight division for sure. Right. Well, dude, that's it. We, we wrapped up the segment. Um, of course, you, you guys can check out more uh, stuff from Josh and the rest of the MMA Valor crew at MMAValor.com. Um, there's going to be some great stuff coming out of those guys very soon. There's a lot of great projects Josh is working on. So be on the lookout for them as well, and also their for work sure. on MyTakeRadio.com. Anything else for you want to sure. add, bro? Um, you know, basically, you know, every event we do the chat room, um, like tomorrow's event on Showtime with uh, with the challengers. You know, we'll be in the chat room, and you know, so many people on social networking, they 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 like to, you know, write 140 characters of what's going on in a fight, but you know, come to the chat room and and actually. You know, not have uh, character limits, and and you know, everyone in there is all always watching the events, and it's you know, it's it's fun. It's just almost like you know, you're you're sitting down at the event, you know, watching the fights with a bunch of friends. So you know, That's check awesome, it, check man. that out. Any other um any other projects we that we got to be on the lookout for, or is or are you just gonna play it by ear and announce them as you pop in from time to time? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll probably do do that. I mean, I, I've got some gear on, in the works. I mean, you and me have been talking about that. Um, you know, um, we've been revamping the site a little bit, not really the look, but more of, 
you know, getting rid of, we got we just got rid of the fighter rankings, you know, being a page, and we're just going to do a monthly uh, thing now. So, I mean, we're always evolving. You know, it's just, that's just part of the, the game. But, um, you know, I mean, I come on here all the time, and whenever I got something to announce, uh, you'll be the first to know. Awesome, dude. Thanks a lot. I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to definitely let you get back to the kids because I know I'm taking you away from uh, some family time. But as always, dude, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you stopping through. All right, man. Thanks as always. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Later. Later. All right, that was Josh from MMA Valor. If you want a no-bullshit, unrestricted view on the sport of MMA, um, no fluff pieces, all great opinion pieces and great stuff, definitely head over to MMAValor.com. Like he said, he does a chat practically for every fight. So if you get a chance, pop into the chat room if you're watching a card, and you can join in there and chat with other MMA fans about some of the upcoming fights as well as the fights that are going on. So definitely check that out. Head over to MMAValor.com. Of course, keep an eye out on MyTakeRadio.com for some of the MMA Valor content appearing there as well. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some wrestling right after this. I wonder what's on tonight even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, let's talk some wrestling. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here tonight. Look at that here. Andre, the giant hustle radio. Everyone has a price, friend. All right, let's talk some wrestling. There's uh, quite a few things to discuss. I am sure that um, Billy from Beantown Gamer wanted to call in, so he will probably be calling in. And um, maybe while we're at it, I will uh, give the code away for Dead Space during the video game segment. I'm trying to concoct a way to uh, give that code out in a fair manner. So keep an eye out for that probably within the next hour or so. First off, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw starting to really get their shit in order. Um, still a couple of things that bother me. Um, just a, a roll call real quick. The Miz is your world champ. Edge is, I mean, Miz is your WWE champ. Edge is your world champ. Daniel Bryan is your U.S. champ. Ziggler's the IC. Natalia got the uh, Divas belt. And Santino and Kozlov are your tag team champions. Just a little uh, refresher course for you guys. First off, Raw opened up with a world title match between The Miz and John Morrison. Um, everybody expected a title change for this match. I did not. Um, basically because I think that it's better, and this is just my, my personal opinion, that John Morrison is chasing for the belt. Um, the Miz should retain the belt through underhanded tactics and tons of bullshit and if you are going to put the belt on Morrison, make sure to put it on a pay-per-view, like a Royal Rumble, something big, something with merit. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, you know, winning it on Raw is cool and all, but that pay-per-view big fight feel is great, 
and it helps extend the storyline. I think that there's a lot of great chemistry already built between both of these guys, uh, former friends slash tag team partners, uh, you know, Miz and Morrison, um, their, their back-and-forth feuds early on when they split as a tag team, all the way up to now. Their careers have come full circle. Both guys are definitely knocking on, on, on the upper on the upper mid card and slowly go, you know, opening the door into the main event status. The Miz is already there. Morrison just needs that one match, that one match to set him apart. I felt that the match he had with Sheamus was the match to do that. But of course, people have been telling me that the match with uh, the Miz this past Monday was his marquee match. I feel that John Morrison, John Morrison, still has one good match to to really cement. His, his main event status. He just needs that one match to set him apart. With whom, I have no idea. But I just feel that he has the opportunity to really cement himself as a main eventer with just the right match. I think that a program with The Miz, if it ties out, if it ties out correctly, is going to be the end-all, be-all for sure in terms of putting him in that upper level. So, as I was saying, they opened up the match, uh, back-and-forth match. There was a, a really great spot from Morrison, uh, where he climbed on a, on a WWE uh, logo that was set up by the entrance ramp and actually did a dive onto The Miz. It was a really good spot. The Miz, of course, ended up retaining with the, doing the, with the skull-crushing finale. Um, he did that on the floor. Uh, great brawl, very much back and forth. Um, Morrison getting the title shot, it, it's good. The, his only other opportunity now is probably winning the Royal Rumble to, to get another shot at the belt. It, it's a huge, huge possibility that you can see Morrison winning it, especially if they want to go that route and really put him over the top, especially if they do something like put him in at number one and have him continue all the way to 30. That's a, that's a really great way to help cement that guy's legacy and, and move him into the, the, the main event for sure. Uh, the Divas match with Melina, Maurice, and Alicia Fox against Natalia, Eve Torres, and Brie Bella was short and really uneventful. Um, Eve Torres, Brie Bella, and Natalia won. Uh, actually, yeah, they actually did win. It was a uh, Eve hitting a neckbreaker on Molina. Again, I don't know what it is with the Divas matches as of late. They just seem to have um, a, a factor that's missing. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It just doesn't seem... Uh, it, it seems like it's missing something. It seems like it's missing something. I don't know what. I think it's just maybe there's not uh, there's not enough physicality. I think it's just more hair pulling and, and cat fights. Um, definitely got to acknowledge, acknowledge Don Anderson, who's in the chat, uh, Tumbling with Tumbleweed Tuesdays uh, on the Blog Talk Radio Network at 10 p.m. Uh, he says in the chat that um, – John Morrison needs to beat someone like The Undertaker to take it over the top. Uh, you know, in a, in a perfect world, that is true, but I feel that The Undertaker's career is something where he's probably going to go 20-0 and 0 to WrestleMania and um, retire with the belt or some shit like that. So definitely going to be interesting to see that um, in the future. I do agree that anybody who beats The Undertaker automatically should cement themselves in the main event, but you know they're not going to do it with Morrison. It's just... That's just the way shit works, but definitely a, a, good, a, a good piece of knowledge from, from Donnie in regards to that, because it's true, Morrison needs that one match. The Undertaker is a guy that's good for that, you know, to make your career, but um, 
in John Morrison's case, even even a feud with CM Punk would um would definitely work in the near future, especially to get him into the the main event level. Uh, tag match the Uso brothers with Kozlov and Morella, uh, total fucking clusterfuck of a match uh, with the Rock cloned against uh, Kozlov and Morella. Uh, Tamina ended up turning on the Usos and you know hitting the Cobra with Santino on Jay Uso. It was it was absurd. It was absurd. I I don't know if it's because they're using Tamina to set up Santino and Kozlov and then they're going to, you know, catch them when they're vulnerable and take the belts, but just the match itself was just a, a clusterfuck of bullshit. I was, and, and I like Kozlov and Santino for the comedy gimmick and all, but to really put them in the tag team scene the way they are and trying to make them fight all these guys and legitimately win, it just it just looks so stupid and so contrived. Of course, during the commercial break, they announced that Tough Enough was coming back. Oh, joy. And I say that not because it's a shitty program, but just because they go, they put all this work into Tough Enough, and half of the guys that have come out, none of them are left other than John Morrison. Maven, gone. Daniel Pewter, gone. You know, the only one, uh, Matt Capitelli ended up getting cancer. Only guy that's left is Morrison. Morrison is the only guy from Tough Enough who was John Hennigan, for those of you that don't remember. He's the only guy that's left that's actually doing something. It's, I don't know, man. If you're going to do it, you've you got to go all in and, and give these guys a chance, definitely, or girls, to, to connect with the audience and to be something more than, than just a body taking up space. You've you, you got to let them come out, develop their personalities, and connect with the audience before just tossing them out there and letting them fend for themselves. But it is coming back. CM Punk, of course, cut, cut a nice promo now that CM Punk is leader of Nexus. Uh, Wade Barrett comes out. Nice little heated exchange. Uh, they actually end up making a, a bet, more or less, where Barrett says that if he wins his match, he will remain leader of Nexus, and CM Punk will follow. Simple as that. But if Barrett loses, he is out of the Nexus, and Punk is officially the leader. Definitely a... Uh, a nice bit of foreshadowing in that segment. Uh, great chemistry between the two. Um, you can definitely see where it's going, how, how this is going to pan out later in the broadcast. Alberto Del Rio ended up showing up on Raw. I guess they're starting to do uh, a little bit more of SmackDown's talent coming over to Raw to just build a more awareness for SmackDown. No harm in that. Alberto Del Rio is a, a great competitor, and he definitely is getting a push, and you can see it. His match with R-Truth was surprisingly good. I was very impressed with the match from start to finish. Um, Del Rio just continues to improve in terms of ring presence and just showing the, the makings of a true main event talent, so definitely a guy to watch on SmackDown for sure. Of course, the cage match to close it out was Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Wade Barrett. Um, of course, the winner would become the number one contender. CM Punk got involved. Uh, no, Wade Barrett was not winning. If you thought that, you were sorely mistaken. I honestly thought Sheamus was going to take this match, but unfortunately, it was not to be. Randy Orton did win. He did escape the cage. Um, once again, Randy Orton in the main event against The Miz. Some people, you know what it is? Randy Orton, very methodical, very, it's just, he, 
I don't dislike Orton. I just feel that at this stage in the game, it's the same shit with him. It's like, you know, Miz, you can only keep the belt for so long until I punt you in the head. It's, it's absurd. It is absurd. It, 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 you know, Randy Orton's cool and all, but I just think that his characters hit that, that stale point, that he needs to do something else. I mean, his crazy bipolar gimmick, definitely not the, the, the highlight of his, of, of his current run, at least in my opinion. His, I think his best work was during the feud with Triple H where he was, you know, attacking McMahon, kicking people in the head, doing just really awful scumbaggery shit. That's when Randy Orton was doing his thing. But definitely put in, put in a little bit more to it. It's, it's uh, you know, I just, I, I don't feel it. I think that they're just trying too hard to turn Randy Orton into a, to, uh, to a Stone Cold Steve Austin tweener, and he's just not the guy for that. He's, he's, he's too much of a pretty boy, and it, I just don't buy it. I don't buy his, his maniacal fucking plotting and shit. I don't give a fuck how, how much Michael Cole stroke jobs Randy Orton's promo work, the Viper's ready, um, the Viper's the, the apex pred. It's like, fuck you. He's all right. There, there's better dudes out there, but he's the guy that works. Who knows? Let's bring Billy on. Um, he has some stuff he wants to talk about with CM Punk. Um, I actually have one or two things I want to ask him about, and uh, let's bring him in. Billy, welcome back, dude. Well, it's next week's leader of the Nexus, considering everybody has a chance to be the leader of the Nexus. After me, it's going to be Joey Fatone from uh, NSYNC, and the week after that, they might even just bring back Joel Gertner. Anyway, Beantown Gamer in the house, and uh, i, I got to stop you on Randy Orton for a second here. Um, I gave him his Lamictal. His gimmick is going to change next week, and he's going to be a member of the Mean Street Posse. Uh. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. The fact of the matter is, is every time Randy Orton wrestles or even puts his hands on his head and then kind of all of a sudden looks like a snake, I fall asleep. But I you mean, know what it is? There's no, there's, no set, there's no sell point with Orton at this point. It's like, it's like we're going to make him crazy. Then we're going to make him crazy Stone Cold Steve Austin style. It doesn't work. The, guy has, the, the guy's a scary dude. Just in, he's scary because he could be on the cover of Men's Health. He's not scary like, oh, my God, this guy's a fucking lunatic and he's going to kill me. He's not. He, and, and the fact that they, that they fucking sit there and, and fucking stroke the fuck out of him. Oh, he's, he's so great. He's so he's intimidating and the vibrant. Look into those eyes. It, it's like I have more fear looking into the eyes of a Kardashian than looking into the eyes of Randy Orton. <laughs> dude, you should have more fear when I – dude, you should have more fear if I come over to your house on a holiday and take a shit, plain and simple. It, dude, think, the about, think is, about it. There's no, there's no redeeming quality for him at this point. You know, here's the thing about Randy. He is a great worker. There's no two ways about that. Third-generation superstar. But the of fact course. of the matter is right now in uh, Beantown Gamer League tonight, we actually had the best match of all time. We had the Cobra versus the Viper. The Cobra won. So that means, <laughs> Randy, it's time to retire the Viper. It's time. Uh, so, so, you know what? All I want, and if you want my honest opinion, is I want another evolution run. I want Rick to come back. I want Triple H to come back. And as much as I hate to say it, bring back Batista or just put some other giant idiot in this place. Put somebody in a suit and just put him there. 
You know, I, I love Randy Orton. Randy, I love you to death, man, if, if you ever hear this, but I'm sorry, your gimmick is garbage. It is, dude. It, it, there's no, you know what was funny? When he was injured and he was doing the RNN news updates with the fucking shoulder injury, I actually uh, appreciate that, that his fucking boring Triple H style, it's like the Triple H school of promo cutting. When you get serious Triple H and the fucking promo opens up raw, it's like you, like you said, you fall asleep. And then you're putting him yeah. back in the main event, you know, to feud with The Miz, who, who, you know, regardless of whether people detract on The Miz or not, The Miz's mic work is, is shades better than Orton because he's entertaining. Right. And you know what the thing about The Miz is, and this is why I love the kid, and we've talked about this before on past episodes. For you yep. new listeners out there, if you haven't heard past episodes of My Take Radio with Rich and myself or any episode of My Take Radio and you're a wrestling fan, you should be listening to this show, plain and simple. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I will say it every time I am graced with the ability to come on this show. The Miz is the best heel in the business right now, period. He, he, his, his chemistry with the fans is, you know what it is? I, I looked at The Miz, and, and this is what happened. When he won the belt, and I'll say it, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll disagree and countless others. When The Miz hated the belt, I pretty much felt like the little girl that made the face. Because that's, he was, that's cemented because, him. Yeah, well, you know, it cemented him, but it was just like, really? Like, like you know, to quote him, I'm like, really? This guy is the guy you're going to put as the face of your company? But then I started thinking back, and I said, let's look at it from a, from, from a business standpoint. You need a guy that can go on the road, has great media presence, can talk on the mic, is an entertainer, and don't get me wrong, his moveset is total horseshit. And you know what? I've seen better finishing moves from my fucking cats wrestling in the kitchen. But but it's true, man. It's true. It's like it's like your finishing move is the fucking stroke that Jeff Jarrett does. Really, you're the champion, and that's your finishing move. Why don't but the you sad part is, like everybody else. Listen, Slapnuts, it's a better looking version of the stroke. But but it's still the fucking. It's a Russian leg sweep. Stop. I agree. I I, I agree. But you know what? That's it. It looks like it hurts, though. It actually looks like you might bust a testicle on the way down. That's I mean, it, fine, looks like, it looks like your balls just all of a sudden come up to your mouth. I mean, it's, it's I don't not, know. It's, dude, it's not, for a main event level guy, and, and again, everybody, you can you can look at Chris Jericho. I mean, don't get me wrong. Chris Jericho's WCW lion tamer with knee to the neck was better than the stupid Boston crab he used. Uh, hey, you know, the don't you insult better. anything that has to do with Boston when I'm on this show. <laughs> you know, you know as well as I do that when he was in WCW and he and he delivered the Lion Tamer correctly, it was like holy shit, that guy's dead. You know, well, the, the way he did it, yeah, it looked like he broke your back. It looks like his C three vertebrae was gone. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was. You know, it was up there. The thing that 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 bothers me is that the Miz, in order to shine as a champion, needs a guy whose mic work is on par with him. Like him Bring and CM Rock could have a feud. Bring back the Rock. Yeah, that's wishful thinking. I mean, the Rock is the kind of guy that would definitely put a a guy like the Miz over, especially mm-hmm. with promo work. But you know, let, let, let's fucking look at let, let's be real here. He, you know, the Rock is not coming back unless he's going no. in the Hall of Fame or he's promoting a fucking movie. Yeah, let, let, let's let, let's skip away from the Rock for a second here and go back to finishing moves at the main event level. Look at John Cena's finisher, okay? Uh, it's an it's okay. an inverted Death Valley driver, big fucking deal, okay? My, um, let's see who else. Miz has an inverted Russian leg sweep. 
Seamus has the razor's edge. Yep. Sorry, Scott, as much as I love you, your finisher sucks. Randy Orton has the diamond cutter. Everybody has moved. The only, you know, Starship Pain. The RKO is beautiful, though. It's a a thing of beauty how he hits it, though. He just kind of floats. He looks like Kid Icarus in the 90s, dude. He just floats. But plain and simple, I'll put it to you this way. The best finishing move in the business right now is in SmackDown vs. Raw 2011, and it's Ryan Storm's Good Night from Rio. Oh, boy. Good Night from Rio. That's all there is to it. Quicksilver BTG, look me up. I'll push you in good night from Rio. Oh, God. I, I got <laughs> to tell, I, I tell you this, though. And, and it, any of these guys on the main event level don't have a finisher. And, and I think it's just because they're working safer. Yeah. Is None of their finishers are on the level that they used to be. Cause even you mean like Pedigree, Petey Williams' Canadian Destroyer or AJ Styles' Styles Clash or something like that? Yeah, well, AJ Styles' Styles Clash, you know, Michelle McCool stole it. And she fucking yeah. does it. And I think and she ruined it. Dude, Terry Schiavo does a better fucking finishing move. Good call. Get the fuck out of here. Ouch. Fucking absurd. Too soon. Too soon. Dude, nah, dude, look. Pull the two. Let's be, let's, let's be, let's be legit. It, I understand they want to be safe and you got to adapt to the WWE style. But if you want your wrestlers to connect with fucking fans... Then you've got to give up. Like, dude, when, when Evan Bourne does Airborne, that's, that's fucking fantastic because the crowd is ready for that shit. 619, even though it's the fucking safest move ever, same thing. It's like the crowd, that's a signature move that looks like... Have you seen live. either one of those live? Yep. It, it's amazing. I, I saw... I was at the 900th episode of Raw in beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. She popped. And um, I went with my wife. And we were sitting way, way, way up in the nosebleeds. Now, I've been to Madison Square Garden, and, I've, and obviously I've been to a million events in Boston, okay? And I'll tell you this right now. I've, I've seen all this in MSG, and I saw it in Boston. Well, this is a little off the subject, but when you see it closer, even as far away as you are, it looks cooler. But my wife watched it, this is to get back to my point, and she said to me, how did he do that? He, she saw Justin Gabriel's 450 splash and had a shit. She saw Evan Boyd's 450, or, uh, shooting stat press. She almost went nuts. It was amazing. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, you know, you want to talk about shock and hops right there. Move. Even the Swanton Bomb, as much as I hate that drug addict, Jeff Hardy, Jeff, I hate you, um, is a thing of beauty. I mean, you know, more or less, it's just Jeff doing a, a drunken belly flop that turns into a back flop, but, you know. It, it doesn't It doesn't connect. I think that the safe style of WWE is, is watered down so many of the so many of the guys that couldn't have real great potential finishing moves. I mean, John Cena's finishing move is always going to be safe, and mm-hmm. you know they gave him they gave him the submission, which 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 looks painful on occasion when when executed yes, correctly. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the label lock looks better because it looks you know it, it brings back shades of of Benoit, you know, and and the crippler crossroads. But no, nobody else is delivering it, and I do agree. Randy Orton del- delivers a solid RKO, but you know what it is? He hasn't gotten at it, and it takes practice. He hasn't gotten to a DDP level of RKO delivery. I mean, his RKO on Evan Bourne from the Shooting Star Press was fantastic. You know, from the Undertaker's Tombstone Pod Driver was great. But there are certain times when he delivers it that he's still trying to master all the nuances to get it perfect. Yep. You know, the the last good finishing move... Plain and simple, it was before CM Punk left Ring of Honor. And for those of you who don't watch Ring of Honor or 
haven't seen old um, CM Punk tapes, go look up Glory by Honor 3 from the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. It's about five, four or five years ago. It was Daniel Bryan and CM Punk for the pure title, if I remember correctly. Yep. Pepsi fucking plunge. That's all I need to say. Yep, the Pepsi plunge is a beautiful finisher. But but again, you know why they won't let him do that? Because, you know, Triple H does the fucking I pedigree agree. and everybody's going everybody's gonna to bitch. But... While we are on the subject of CM Punk, I know you had to, you had some stuff you wanted to get off your chest. Of course, CM Punk is now the leader of Nexus. How do you feel? Um, actually, my, to, to be honest with you, this week I'm going to show up on Raw, and I'm <laughs> going to put on the Nexus armband and get booed out of the building and then come back, and there's going to be an instant classic chant. And uh, CM Punk's going to be in a crappy cage match with Wade Barrett. I'm going to rip his armband off, and I'm going to be the leader of Nexus. The week after that, like I told you, it's going to be Joey Fatone, and it's going to be Joel Gertner. Seriously, why the fuck did you take Wade Barrett out of Nexus? Well, I think that I think that uh, they've reached a point with him, which uh, which again, I think they, they they just ran out of fucking ideas and they realized, all right, what the fuck do we do with him now? Honestly, you know, in the words of my assistant, all right, hold on. In the in the words of my assistant Farva, shout outs to my boy, he's in the chat room. That is a fail, and he doesn't know anything about wrestling and. The first thing that came out of his mouth, he flailed his arms up, he farted, and he screamed, fail. But you know what it is? If you were going to keep him, and, and, and I'll put the ball in your court, if you were going to keep him with Nexus and involve Punk in this angle, how would you have done it? Would you have done the internal power struggle angle, or would you have done friends become, enemies becoming friends and Barrett and Cena fighting the Nexus? Well, here, here's the way I look at it. That's probably what's going to happen. But considering that Cena is out right now with a hip injury because, yep. you know, all the steroids he takes and all the fucking he does, whatever you want to say, um, they had to put Punk somewhere. So I understand that. I think Punk right now is best served behind the booth, if you ask my opinion, because he is the greatest commentator to ever live next to Jim Ross and Gordon Soley. But yeah, he was pretty If you want my opinion, yeah, I, I, would love, I would love to see Nexus expand and then go into a Nexus kind of like, you know, a whole NWO thing, where it, okay. it splits off, where you see a split. Kind of like how, you know, um, CM Punk becomes kind of the Kevin Nash, only with, you know, the ability to draw more than 30,000 people and be the lowest drawing <laughs> WWF champion of all time. Sorry, Kevin, I love you, but it's the truth. Gina's going to kill me for saying that, I hope, you know. <laughs> but um, the fact of the matter is, is that, Nexus could grow into something big. It could transcend the NWO, and I don't care what anybody says. I'm probably one of the well, smartest wrestling fans on the face of the fucking planet, and I will tell you this right now, Nexus has the talent, except for the fact that the Wendy's girl is in Nexus, yep. to transcend what um, NWO did. You know, David Otunga, you know, yeah, he was reality TV transition, but he's turned out to be a fantastic heel. Husky Harris and Michael McGillicuddy haven't done anything yet, but they have so much potential. They do. Um, Justin, Gabri- Justin Gabriel is the best high flyer in wrestling, period. Period, period, period. Shades of Billy Kidman. That um, is true. Very true. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good... Uh, that's a good he's incredible. Kid. He's incredible. I love that kid. I love him. I love him. I love him. Now, see, here's the other thing with Nexus. You need to throw, you need to throw a legend in there. You need to throw, like, a Ricky Steamboat, or you need to throw, like, a Dusty Rhodes, or Ted DiBiase, for that matter. And then, you know, just start going from there and picking guys off and having them, you know, go back to that gang mentality. You yep, know, that's what works. Start bringing, and start bringing people in, like, who's the big dude that they have on that NXT right now that they're probably going to eliminate next week? 
Oh, the guy for that though, with Snoop Dogg, Brody is Clay. The dude, the dude from the dude from Bro- the Bronx, yeah, Brody, whatever his name. Is. I can't yeah, Brody is Clay. Yeah, you he's, need, he's a monster. You you need a big dude in Nexus. There's your big guy. Now that Skip Sheffield's not coming back, probably. I mean that 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 kid couldn't find his way out of a paper bag. I mean maybe he could eat a, win a wing eating contest against Michael Tarver, but nobody cares about him either. He's stuck in the middle of a nigga moment in fucking purgatory. That's that that is true. But you know, uh, here's excuse the, my French, but that that kid is no, too much right. of a pretty boy. That that kid is too much of a pretty boy to be anything. Okay, trying to do the DMX look does not work. DMX is just about as big of a crackhead as fucking uh, Tyrone Biggums. Plain and simple. But you know, there, there's your big guy right there. You got your legend. Okay, and you go from there, and you build, and you build, and you build, and then you make Nexus transcend the company. Nice. Okay. Okay, you you bring Nexus to SmackDown. You bring Nexus to SmackDown, and you just have Nexus run rampant on WWE, and you have, you know, the locker room breaks down the door. Make us believe once again this is really happening. True. WWE could have done that if they didn't fire Daniel Bryan the first time. That is true, but... Wade Barrett would have had the belt around his waist. Nexus would have had the tag titles. U.S. title would have been the Nexus, too. All right. Miz would have been a face Well, you know what it is? Here's, here's where I'm going to... Here's where a couple of things... I don't know if, if you're a guy that reads spoilers or not. Of course but, I do. All right. I just want to make sure that you know what happens with SmackDown this week. Yeah. All right? So without, without spoiling it, because I don't know who hasn't watched... You know what happens with SmackDown this week, so you know the the the, the dissolving of the Nexus. We kind of know where it's going to go. I do agree that Nexus does have the potential to be bigger. The only thing is that I feel that they're just afraid to to give those guys the ball, which which leads me to another rumor, which everybody's talking about. Obviously, you know that Awesome Kong signed with WWE. It's true. And, I have and, a, I have a confirmed source on that one. And you and there's rumors stating and and again. I, this could work. They want her to be in Nexus. I could see that. All right, and, and and I'm fine with that. But like you said a few minutes ago, give all those guys the belts. Now, see, here's another thing I'm fine with. I'm fine with Matt Hardy never wrestling again. But you know, I know that's not going to happen. So I, I agree. Give them the bronze, give them the silver, and give them the gold. Plain and simple. Have all no, the belts around the their belt. waist. Give them- and if you bring Awesome Kong in, fuck, take the Divas belt too. Nexus can then perform and show up on each show because they got the belts. And like you, and, and again, going back to what you referenced, which is the right way to do it, you need the heels, and I said this earlier with The Miz, you need the heels to consistently win up until big shows. It makes people interested. Yeah, absolutely. The face chasing the heel is better than the heel chasing the face. But here's another thing that WWE needs to do, and I've been saying this since '05: dissolve the brand extension draft. Yeah, at this that point, that's one of those shows. The fact, you know what? The amount of SmackDown versus Raw we all play, and shout out to my good friend Aaron Kaufman from THQ, who's actually listening to the show right now. The fact of the matter is, dissolve the brand extension. The amount of matches that I've seen in SmackDown versus Raw that you could possibly create. The feuds, you name it, you got it. You name it, you could make it happen. Stop holding back the young talent. Use SmackDown to push the young talent like they were doing with the Cruiserweights in 05 with Juventud Guerrero and Kid Crap. I mean, Kid Cash. Stuff like that, you know. Bring back the Mexicals. Come on. Everybody loves loves their Mexican gardener. 
Well, you know what it is? It's not. It's one of those things where the brand extension, I, while, while there are times that I wish they'd do away with it, I honestly, and I'll tell you why I want to keep it, I want to keep the brand extension because it allows other guys to compete for belts. See, that's the problem. You know that WWE, they go and they always try to keep their core four for each set of belts, and nobody gets a rub, ever. You know, the Miz got in there because, because of pure heart, Morrison got in there because athletic ability is there. But when you start getting plagued with injuries and your back is up against the wall, that's when they actually are forced to bring in new guys and push new stars. The only way that's going to continue to happen is with, is with more belts. You've you got to do it with more belts or at least make the belts that can be defended on both shows, which they've been doing. Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to spoil WrestleMania for everybody. By WrestleMania, we're going to only have three titles. Yep. And then the, the women's title. I wouldn't doubt it because at this at this juncture, it's like they know that there's no more chemistry in doing SmackDown better than Raw because you, know, they, you don't you don't have the roster pool that you did three years ago, four years ago when it was popping. You know right. that when, when when SmackDown was the shit. When you tune in and it's like you had you know your SmackDown five. Absolutely. Now let, let me add to that. I'm going to quote my senior editor Pam Kelly. She said to me uh, a couple days ago, we were in chat for um, a meeting, and she said, you know, as far as chemistry goes and the formula goes, you can't make root beer-flavored Twizzlers without root beer. And right now that's the problem. WWE doesn't have the root beer. They don't yep, have they don't root have, beer. They and don't have the talent. Gamer team, I know you're listening. You'll understand what I mean by that. So it's, there, there's no chemistry with WWE right now, and that's the problem. I find myself falling asleep at 9.45 during Raw and waking up at about, 10.30. Like, I nap through the middle of Raw, I get up, I watch the end of it, I play some sports champions, and I go to bed. That, that's... You know what? B- before I let you go, and, I, and I'll ask you this, because, you know, it's the big thing. You got NXT right. already... You got NXT on the web, now you're bringing back... You're bringing back Tough Enough. The, the, the purpose of these shows gets defeated the minute you, you, you decide to throw these guys out there that aren't prepared. You had Loki, who was ready to rock and roll as Caval, and you buried him. What was the use of letting why him fucking you, win? Why? You know what? I was, un, I was unable to listen to a couple weeks ago when, when you talked about that, unfortunately. I caught about, a little bit about what you said. And you know what? The fact of the matter is the WWE dropped the ball once again. Caval, yep. they'll bring him back. Caval will be in a WWE ring again, I guarantee you, within six months. Because you know what the fact of the matter is? is they're going to look at him and they're going to hear, where's Cabal? They're going to hear it from all the shows like your show when Cobra Clutch Radio starts up and everything like that. And they're going to hear it from the small sites. And they're going to hear it from the Ryan Clarks and the Bill Afters and the, you know, all that. And they're going to be like, we fucked up. And that's what happened with Daniel Bryan. They realized yep. they fucked up. Daniel Bryan is the greatest young talent in wrestling right now. You can fight me on that one. As far as outside of the main nope. event picture, he is not getting his due. Period. I can't not argue that. I bitch the not getting what he deserves. I mean, they're they're making it look like he's banging the Bella twins, which is, you know, really if that's my opinion about the epitome of banging Snooky, it's just not worth it. But, you know, I mean you could do so much more with Daniel Bryan. Let him defend the US title. Let him get into a couple submission matches. Let him do his thing. You know, oh. I mean he could he could Snooky he he's Snooky smushing. And oh, that's nice. all there is to it. He's he's, he's garbage. Right now, and it's not fair. I cry when Daniel Bryan wrestles. I look at his T-shirt. I'm like, wow. What happened to the yep. American Dragon? Now he's just the plain yep. old T-shirt wrestling ring guy. 
Yep. And he has, he has a, coming out the flight of the Valkyries, and it's like, da 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 da. He has the he has the appeal of Barry Horowitz right now. <laughs> no, actually, if you want the truth, he has the appeal oh, of Shock Black Media. Oh, Ooh, did I say that out loud? Oops, I'm sorry. I, I, I made a new I made a New Year's resolution not to make fun of them this year, and I just broke it. Oh, sorry. All right. All right. Anyway, all right, dude. that's it. I um that actually wraps up the wrestling. So I actually I'm glad to have you on. Thanks for glad the call. Glad to be here as usual. Always a pleasure. Cobra Clutch Radio next month, right? Well, we're hoping, and um actually we have an update on that. And I know the guys over at Analog Hype are listening to this too. Um. We recently uh, came to an agreement with uh, my old work, my old work buddies at Analog Hype, Adrian Pottinger, yep, aka like Chrome, and um, the show will be returning as Analog Championship Wrestling, a Cobra Clutch Radio production. We're just not sure of a date yet. Okay, I'll keep you informed right. though. But I mean, it's gonna, it's going to be hard to keep up with you. That's the problem. Bad. you'll be all right, man. <laughs> all right, Rich. All right, Thanks buddy. for having me on, man. Later, Later. dude. All right, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some video games. We're going to talk some movies right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter. Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. Thank you! Let's talk some video games. As obviously you heard me killing a Pikachu in the background. Uh, video games are going to open up with good old GameStop, good old Lane Stop, as I like to call them, or Rape Stop, as I've called them in previous episodes. According to Joystick, have announced that they will be re- that there will be a Gears of War Ultimate Edition, which is going to be dropping February fifteenth for thirty bucks. No idea what the game's going to include, other than obviously the first two games and their downloadable content. The listing has since been removed, but a Microsoft representative confirmed that there is a forthcoming bundle SKU. They also said that it will not involve anything with Gears of War 3 or the beta. In order to get anything with Gears of War 3, including the beta, you're going to have to pick up Bulletstorm. Now, considering how long it's been since Gears of War 1 and 2 have come out, is there really a necessity to, to double dip or triple dip for that matter? Just because, you know, there's Game of the Year edition and all this shit, and now it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to give you... I think at this point, and I could be wrong, everyone has played Gears of War. And if they haven't, you know, it's going to be one of those things where it's bound to happen at this point. So the fact that you're going to go and throw out this Ultimate Edition and expect people to buy it, it's just It's stupid. I mean, they're going to do collected editions for games, and that's great. But to go out of your way and call it the Ultimate Edition, what other innovation are you going to add to this game, considering that 3 is around the corner, to make it stand out? What are you guys going to add? Oh, it is what it is. And some Dead Space news for those of you that have saves from the original Dead Space. When you get the new Dead Space sequel, you'll be able to get a free gun. With the save, the save will allow you to unlock Isaac's original plasma cutter, 
to use in Dead Space 2. In some CES news, of course, Connect all over the place, selling like hotcakes. It seems that now there's going to be Connect technology on the PC. Asus actually is working with a company with Prime Sense to bring the Connect technology to the PC, and they actually showed it off at CES. They're calling it the Wavy. I want to say it's the it's the Wavy Action, which I think is how they want it pronounced: W A V I X T I O N. And it's going to be using Prime Sense's 3D motion capture camera along with the transmitter and receiver. And it's going to be coming out in the second quarter of the year. You're going to be able to use that technology with multimedia social networks, and gesture games. For those of you that have been watching YouTube and keeping up to date with the Kinect hacks, you'll see that that's already been done, allowing the Kinect to play with World of Warcraft and also do various other things with the PC. So the fact that Asus is releasing something similar is definitely um, a step in, in the right direction just because it allows people to enjoy the technology on more than just a console platform. So definitely props to Asus for that. And... Um, Keep an eye out. I think that this Kinect technology, besides innovating on the console front, is going to be something that we're going to be seeing more of in the future in regards to motion control gaming. So definitely I'll be watching this with much interest. A couple of weeks back I announced that APB was going to be one and done and that it was going to be brought back as a free version. If you are a player of that, you'll be happy to know that APB Reloaded is going to be doing a closed beta next month. Gamers first will be starting to send out invites to interested parties next week. This possibly includes some APB players and people that sign up at the official site. So I recommend you guys go to Gamers first if you want to hit up APB and get a crack at the beta. So head over to Gamers first, type that in in Google, and check it out because I don't have the URL. Nintendo announced that the DS is the best-selling system of all time. Of course, you've got to throw an asterisk next to that because it took four variations of the handheld to get there. The handheld sold 47 million units. Nintendo is grouping this with the DS, the DS Lite, the DSi, and the DXi XL as one system. Nonetheless, it is an impressive achievement, and it's one of the main reasons that Nintendo continues to have huge numbers year after year. 47 million units is insane, and the fact that they're grouping all the DS versions in there is definitely something that make, is going to make a lot of people pause, but you can't dispute 47 million units any way you slice it. The fact is that the DS is the handheld that everybody flocks to when you think portable gaming. I mean, Apple is trying to cement their iPads and their iPhones, but Nintendo's got a, a, a stranglehold on the handheld market, and unless somebody comes to the party with something that's going to knock them out off their perch, Nintendo is going to continue to make bank, especially with the 3DS, which based on a lot of stuff that's gone on um, across the web, um, a 3DS was stolen from a warehouse and pictures have been posted online of the unit. Um, I don't know how legit that is. Whenever I hear something gets stolen and it mysteriously gets put on the web, I think of it as pretty much a guerrilla marketing tactic just to build a buzz. I could be wrong. I mean, Nintendo has an event going on here in New York I believe the 22nd of this month or next month for the press. Of course, sadly, I did not get press access, but they are allowing people to play around with the 3DS. So if it is exactly like the model that was stolen, then we know that it's all legit. Definitely looking forward to the 3DS. It's actually one of the few, uh, few times that I'm excited for a Nintendo handheld. 
Um, I haven't played a, a Nintendo handheld. I think to, since I think the Game Boy SP, I actually had the Game Boy SP modded to play old NES games. So that was the last time I played a Game Boy. Uh, my sister is a huge DS gamer. She actually enjoys the DSi and the camera and that functionality, and I am watching with much interest, especially the studies that are saying that the 3DS um, may cause potential eye problems and things of that nature due to their glassless 3D technology. I'm watching that with much interest. I totally feel that it's bullshit, but it's something worth keeping an eye on for sure. Here's something that, that definitely I didn't think about when I first read it, but it's something that's very interesting. It seems that THQ has signed a multi-year deal with Mattel. Um, in doing so, they're securing the rights for the following. Barbie, Hot Wheels, Fisher-Price Products, Rock'em Sock'em Robots, Polly Pocket, and here's the big one, Masters of the Universe. So, with that said, we may have the possibility of seeing a He-Man game from THQ. Now, as, a, as an 80s baby, I got to tell you, if THQ has the rights to this, I definitely would like to see a Masters of the Universe game done in the style of Darksiders, especially with, uh, with Battle Cat playing the role of Ruin, of, of War's Horse in Darksiders. In um, Darksiders, it would it, it would be an interesting way to to play that, and of course you fight all your typical bosses, Evil In, Skeletor, Beastman. I think it would work. Honestly, all the other properties, Barbie games, it's it's a given. Barbie games have existed on every fucking console as that we've seen. Hot Wheels, it it is what it is. I mean, if you unless you do some RC Pro Am shit. I honestly would like to see something like Burnout done with the Hot Wheels franchise, except that you would play as, you know, you would actually drive the cars on your kitchen counters in the kitchen, all that shit. Um, I see Billy is in there saying that Darksiders was crap. Um, he's entitled to that. Fuck that. I, I enjoyed Darksiders. I got to disagree. Darksiders was a great game. The creative team was, was kick-ass when they were on the show. I enjoyed it. Um, I met with the artists at Comic-Con. As a comic fan, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the presentation. We're, we're never going to always agree on that shit, but, but i got to stand by the fact that Darksiders was a sick, sick game. I, I don't understand. I mean, if, if you like God of War and 3D platformers, I don't understand why people don't like Darksiders. Billy's not the only one that actually said that to me. I actually, and it seems to be the week of hearing that. I had a, a buddy of mine that I worked with tell me that he played it and he did not like it. And I was shocked just because he was a, a God of War fan. And when I asked him why he didn't like it, the, the, the reasoning I got is I didn't like that the way the game was drawn. I don't know. It is what it is. I'm not, I'm not going to go into, into a debate defending Darksiders. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And, you know, we all play games. Sometimes I've gotten what the fuck are you playing this for looks for a multitude of titles. So everyone's entitled to their opinion. Personally, I, I love Darksiders. I'm a huge fan of the franchise. I got the fucking art book. I got a fucking Statue of War. I like the character. I'm a huge fan of Joe Maduera's art. But that, that's just the comic fan in me speaking out as well. Nonetheless, I don't know. I mean, THQ... 
I would like to see, and and like I said, they'll never do it. I'd like to see a Hot Wheels game done burnout style where you'd race your cars in a house like if you were a kid. Like when you were a kid, I should say. That'd be badass. Imagine playing a burnout style racing game where you got to drive, where, you, where your racetrack is a living room. And, you know, you cut through behind the walls through a mouse hole. You got to dodge the cat. You know, you drive on your kitchen counter. Holy shit, mom's cooking. And, you know, some lady's like fucking flipping eggs and shit. You got to make sure you drive through it. Take a little bit of burnout. Take a little bit of split second and throw it into something where it adds some enjoyment and it's different. If you're going to do something like that, don't make it the, the, the prototypical Hot Wheels racing bullshit that we've seen on every other console. Do something different. Take advantage of the nostalgia and the fact that you got something small, you know, something like that where you can allow people to take that trip down memory lane. We all played with toy cars as kids. I would love to see it. I'd love to see that. Just, just racing, ra- racing little Hot Wheels around the living room and shit. It, it would be, I think it would be great and you know, you can use steering wheels, you can add connect in there where you can, you know, reach your hand out and pick your Hot Wheel up off the floor and put it down and, you know, pull it back if you if, if you want to do like a pullback racing type thing and you can do it with the Kinect. There's, there's so much possibility with a franchise like Hot Wheels. Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the name is fucking self-explanatory. So THQ doing anything more than just a typical Rock'em Sock'em Robot shit, just, it, it's, it's, uneventful. Here's something that that you can kind of throw in in the the what-the-fuck news category. Um, PlayStation will be utilizing their 3D technology to release a 3D version of Sports Illustrated. The Sports Illustrated 2011 swimsuit issue will have an exclusive rental or purchase on the PlayStation Network, and it will be in 3D. So you get to look at tits in 3D from Sports Illustrated on the PlayStation yeah, just keep perpetuating those non-pussy-getting stereotypes amongst the gaming community. Go ahead. I'm sure this would do wonders for fucking erasing that stigma. Nice work, guys. Of course, we talked about Call of Duty being a billion-dollar franchise when we had the VGN guys on uh, two weeks back, and now there are rumors coming out of potential Call of Duty sequels. Now, here, here what the rumor mills are churning out. They're talking about two possible different directions. One rumor saying that the Singularity developer Raven Software is developing one game. They posted a listing for an FX artist to drive the development of stunning visual effects for an established console-based realistic first-person military shooter. How legit that is, can't tell you. The other rumor is saying that they want to do a Modern Warfare prequel, which seems to be the weakest of the rumors. And it says that Infinity Ward is making a game focusing on Ghost and will follow him through events prior to the first game. The game will end with his membership into Task Force 141. Again, fucking rumors. Take it for what they're worth. But unless you don't do Call of Duty in space, what the fuck else is there? You've you've raped and pillaged World War II, maybe Vietnam. You could do some modern shit, but... Honestly, there's a part of me that wouldn't mind a Call of Duty in space. You can do something where, you know, know, a foreign country's going into the space race and they got a space station and shit, and you you can send the military up there to investigate. You can have fights on the, you know, you can do squad-based combat in, you know, spaceship facilities, all kinds of shit. But if you do that, then you're basically playing Halo. So 
again, there's not much there's not much blood left to squeeze out of a Call of Duty franchise at this rate. I mean, uh, a prequel with Ghost might be cool. I mean, the Ghost character was I actually like the way they did the character, and you know, a little backstory is fine. But after you're done with that, what the fuck else is there? In some other Connect news, announced at CES, they were unveil well, they did unveil the Avatar Connect which is going to allow your avatars to get to now have facial features and movement tracked. Good old uh, nerd hater Steve Ballmer, who I equate to Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds, unveiled that. Uh, another feature from Avatar Connect is that it will allow the avatars to hang out in rooms and put on various sets and post videos on Facebook. Ballmer also mentioned that over 8 million Connect units have been shipped out, not sold, but shipped. Keep that in mind for anybody that's out there um, extolling the virtues that they sold 8 million units. Read your fucking press releases correctly, shit dicks. They shipped 8 million units. They didn't sell 8 million units. 50 million 360s were sold. And Xbox Live had topped 30 million users. But there are 8 million units shipped. That's it. They also took the opportunity, Bomber took the opportunity to unveil that you are going to be getting Connect capabilities on a hands-free version of Netflix and Hulu, and you'll be able to get that happening in the spring. They also unveiled some stuff for the Windows 7 phone. Uh, one of the things that was unveiled was the Fable Coin Golf, which is going to be coinciding with the release of Game Room. Uh, the coins from Fable Coin Golf can be transferred into Fable 3. So, again, they're starting to really add um, so, some sync between the Windows operating system and Xbox 360. It's, um, it's great to see that. It's great to see that synergy coming together, especially if you are a Windows Phone user. Um, I will tell you, I've tested and, and played around with a couple of Windows handsets I will tell you that the Windows Phone 7 is a very well-done operating system. It's still in baby step mode, definitely is, but it's, it's better. It is definitely better in terms of what previous Windows mobile operating systems have consisted of. This particular system runs a lot more smoothly. There's um, the availability of more apps. The hardware can actually, su can actually support the OS better. I mean, I had a Windows mobile phone at the time. I believe it was the MPX220, and I had, I had it unlocked, and it was nice, but, you know, you had to use Microsoft ActiveSync and, and all this other bullshit. Not only that, but there was just a total lack of the hardware being able to keep up with the software. The software that, you know, there were hiccups, the phone would slow down. The current Windows phone experience is actually a lot smoother. And honestly, if, if I wasn't using Android or if I hadn't used iOS, I would consider a Windows phone as, as, an, as a possible phone that I would use. I mean, I use a BlackBerry now and Android, but the Windows phone runs very nicely. I can't, I can't complain. And I'll tell you, I tried to find I tried to find ways to, to bitch and piss about it. That's right, Billy. The MPX220 was a flip phone. It ran uh, with Windows Mobile at the time. Um, I think that 
Windows has a great opportunity to do well with this OS. I just feel that they're a little bit too late to the party. And, you know, with iOS doing uh, all the all these things leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else, and then Android, they unveiled Android 3.0 Honeycomb, which is going to be used for tablets. In addition to that, you got Froyo out there and Gingerbread. Um, I think Android is stepping their game up, and Windows has to accelerate uh, the unison between all these other properties. You know, they, they, they unveiled Windows Windows 8, which is going to run on ARM devices. And in addition to that, you got Xbox Live, a built-in component. If you find a way to allow some of those smaller Xbox Live titles to be played on Windows mobile phones, imagine you have a game like Limbo, nice simplistic game, and you have it on your Xbox Live queue, and you go out and you take the game with you. I mean, Sony does it already with the PSP. I think that Xbox Live, if the phones are strong enough and powerful enough, they could do that, and you could take some of those smaller games with you. Uh, you know, you can take a game like Limbo, Dishwasher Dead Samurai, Shank, even uh, a game like X-Men Arcade, um, Shadow Complex. Those are all games you can take with you, and, and they would really work on Windows Mobile. So I'm going to be watching that very, very closely. February 16th, Xbox Live, of course, they always have one month where they release a ton of really cool titles. They're actually releasing some some good ones this time. I mean, not to say that they've never been good, but there are actually some that may make you take notice. They're going to be releasing a Bejeweled Blitz Live. They're also going to be releasing, starting February 16th, uh, Hard Corpse Uprising is also going to be out, where you will be able to play with up to 16 players. And, um, of course, that's the prequel to Contra Hard Corps. In addition to that, they're going to be releasing Full House Poker, um, an HD re remaster of Beyond Good and Evil, and Torchlight. The Full House Poker game will let players compete against each other in a 30-player tournament of Texas Hold'em. In addition to that, you'll be able to play two-player quick games. Not only that, they're adding another feature called Texas Heat, which is uh, their live show where you'll be able to play um, against thousands of other players, almost uh, on the same on the same level as um, shit. What the hell was the little trivia show shit that they did? Fuck. Uh, my brain's fried. Anyway, you'll be able to play um, with up to uh, uh, thirty players and try and get the most chips on the table in the Texas Heat mode. So, I mean, yeah, the poker game not so good. I know a lot of people that are diehard Beyond Good and Evil fans that are definitely going to want to check that out. And um, Torchlight, I was actually taking a look at the game. I don't think it's a game I'd play, but it looks kind of cool. I may check out that, that Hard Corpse game just because I haven't played a good, shooting, uh, a good shooting game a la Contra in a while, so definitely going to be checking that out. In another double dip, Eidos is going to be releasing a Tomb Raider trilogy pack, which will be coming in March. The trilogy is going to have Tomb Raider Legend, Anniversary, and Underworld. The first two games, Legend and Anniversary, are going to be remastered HD versions, and the third, of course, which was already on the PS3, is going to be thrown in there for good measure. It's going to run you 40 bucks. Ah, yes, thanks, Billy. That was one versus 100. Ugh. Sorry, I'm not looking at the fucking chat. Jesus. Last but not least, to uh, run out the game news, two little news bits. Capcom announced that Bionic Commando Rearm 2 will be available next month. Um, you'll be able to get it February 1st for $15 on the PlayStation 3, 
or on February 2nd from Xbox Live for 1,200 points. MLB 2K10, of course, last year they were giving out the million-dollar award for pitching a perfect game. Well, the million-dollar bounty is back. They announced uh, the vice president of marketing, Jason Argent, announced that the million-dollar bounty has returned, and you will be allowed to, of course, have an opportunity to pitch a perfect game and get yourself a million bucks. I actually... I wasn't sure anybody would win that, and finally one kid did win, so there is a possibility of that. Um, if, for those of you that are sports fans, pick it up. I mean, you could probably rent it, pitch a perfect game, and get yourself a million dollars. It is what it is. All right, that wraps up gaming. Another quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up movies right after this. All right, let's talk some movies. First off, a couple of weeks back, I told you guys that they were working on a, a big screen adaptation of The Dark Tower which was going to be um, a series of movies that was also going to tie into a TV show and also back into movies. So in between downtime, the TV show would fill in the gaps between the movies. Director Ron Howard and Universal Pictures are looking at Javier Bardem to play the role of Roland Deschain in the feature film slash TV series adaptation. Um, they feel that Bardem is the leader in the pack of contenders and Viggo Mortensen, of course, is running a close second. I'm not surprised whenever Javier Bardem is main, mentioned for a lot of movies, that Viggo Mortensen is always never too far behind. I think that the Dark Tower franchise, if done right, can be done very well. Um, Viggo Mortensen, I can see him more so in, in the Dark Tower adaptation, but I don't know, man. Bardem, depending on, you know, he grows his facial hair in and stuff, he, he looks like a pretty solid dude for that. In some box office totals. You know, we start the new year off and, and just fuckery. Little Fockers narrowly held the number one spot. They made $26.3 million. True Grit was number two at 24.5. Tron Legacy was number three, 18.3. The Abysmal Yogi Bear was four. Narnia was five. Tangled six. The Fighter was seven. Gulliver's Travels, which I don't know why the fuck that's there, is eight. Black Swan was nine. And The King's Speech was ten. I will tell you this, though, and the reason I wanted to go into the box office total so early is because there's three pieces of news that ended up coming across my desk this week that, for some reason, don't surprise me. Of course, the weekend wrapped up as the worst year Hollywood has seen in the box office since 1996. 1 1.3 billion movie tickets were sold in 2010. The gross money in was over 10 million bucks, was over $10 billion dollars thanks to inflation and 3D ticket prices. But in, in, in taking that away, the actual attendance to movies has been the lowest since 1996, when 1.3 billion tickets were sold. At that point in 1996, the tickets were at 442. The average price now is 785, which is a 19 cent jump from the 2009 pricing. That's the largest annual increase yet. Overall, attendance was down 5.4% compared to 2009. 
That's the largest drop in five years. USA Today put this out there, and the reason I'm bringing this is I'm bringing this up is because you guys know every week or every few weeks I run into these rants about all the bullshit that Hollywood does and why so many movies come out that are utter horse shit. And and you know what? People are starting to speak with their with their pockets. You gotta think about it. When you have a movie based on the Ouija board coming out and a movie based on Battleship, why would you drop twelve dollars to see this shit? Why? Why would you do it? And then I love the fact that it's true. You got these three D ticket prices, it's twenty bucks. It's twenty bucks to watch some of these fucking piss poor fucking movies. Slick Slick gets the fucking gold star. He reminded me about the Monopoly movie, which, yes, there is going to be a Monopoly movie. Again, this is the shit that comes out that Hollywood thinks people are going to drop $10 to see. Are you fucking crazy? Are you crazy? I'd rather watch Lemon Party. I'd rather watch three old guys blow each other. It would probably be a lot more entertaining than some of the shit that Hollywood expects people to pay money for. It's disgusting. It's, it's disgusting and insulting. In addition to that, I know that Slick just mentioned that he's on the line. Before I bring him on, two other things of note. IMAX announced that their 2010 global gross box office reached a record $546 million. That's more than double the $270 million record they had set last year. They're also up a million dollars in the fourth quarter of 2010 compared to the fourth quarter of 2009. Gross box office includes... Um, documentaries like Hubble 3D, Under the Sea 3D, and Deep Sea 3D, which made $41 million. To add to that, and, I, and, I, and I'll wrap this up, the IMAX Corporation announced their 2011 release slate of movies that will be shown in IMAX, most of which will probably be IMAX 3D as well. The titles are The Green Hornet, Sanctum, I Am Number 4, Mars Needs Moms, Sucker Punch, Born to be Wild 3D, Fast and Furious 5, or Fast 5, Pirates of the Caribbean, Cars 2, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Real Steel, and Happy Feet 2. Think about this. IMAX 3D movies are going to run you about 20 bucks a pop. Out of the list of movies I just mentioned, the only movies that can probably be, be, be relevant and deserve to be done in this format are Cars 2, Harry Potter, probably Happy Feet 2, maybe Sucker Punch for the special effects. Why would, uh, even, even Pirates of the Caribbean to an extent, why does the Green Hornet need to be an IMAX 3D? Why? Can anybody tell me that? It, it's stupid. It's fucking stupid. I don't understand where they get the idea that they want to do the Green Hornet and, and, and I, I saw the trailer for I Am Number 4, and I've put it on, on MyTakeRadio.com as well. You want to do these fucking movies in 3D IMAX? You want people to pay $20 for fucking Seth Rogen to wear a mask and try to remotely emulate a pulp icon from, from the 60s? You know, Green Hornet, when he was in the, in the 1966 Batman episodes, when he appeared a couple of times, he was a passable character. No one gives a fuck about this movie, and you want people to pay, pay 20 bucks for it? IMAX can go suck a dick, because that's stupid. That is be stupid. Of course you're going to double your fucking money. At $20 a ticket? Are you guys insane? Did you not think that wasn't going to happen? Fuck. 
I swear, if I, if I was an alcoholic, I'd need a drink. Let's bring Slick in to liven things up. Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? I'm listening to that list that you're talking about. It was like the only movie that holds my interest that I would possibly pay IMAX 3D money on is Sucker Punch. And like you said, that's because of the visuals because we really don't know enough about the movie. The movie might wind up sucking. Yep. The only other movie that I would say, even though I personally won't go see it, that would possibly deserve to be IMAX 3D is freaking Harry Potter, which at least we know that will have a decent story. That's right. But you know what? I don't even mind Cars 2 because the Disney Pixar movies, they're well done, and they're beautiful. They're, They're beautiful works of art, and to be displayed on such a big screen and to 3D for the kids, that's great. That's a great lure for children. But when you're going to take a movie like Fast and Furious 5 and you're going to throw that in fucking 3D IMAX, you want people to pay $20 for Vin Diesel to stare at the camera, I live my, mile, my life a quarter mile at a time, and Paul Walker to wink and fucking give you the thumbs. No, fuck you. I still maintain that 3D is the most useless fucking gimmick to ever come out. I mean, even growing up, it was like, the only time you really used it was when you had a horror movie or when a, a movie hit the number three sequel. Yep, and that's true. And it's like, you got some shitty glasses that give you a headache, which you still get they shitty still glasses that give you a headache. <laughs> and then you watch the movie at home, and you're like, why did I see this in 3D? You know, it's funny, and and it's funny you bring that up because I I was in, you know, I picked up Resident Evil Apocalypse on Blu-ray, and um, I was in a store, and they were playing it in 3D. They were playing the 3D version. Now, according to HD Digest, you know, it's a recommended film. It's the best use of 3D uh, for a home video release. Um, I'm not disputing that because there were definitely some effects that were done, you know, when the Ninja Stars got thrown at the screen or when the axe was thrown at at Alice and um, Claire Redfield, all great visuals. But, again, the movie was filmed with the 3D audience in mind, and that's fine. But you know what it is? Would the movie have been any less decent in HD without the 3D? Like, you know what it is? Once you strip out the 3D and you look at it in just as an HD movie, the picture was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. The movie wasn't great, but... You know, the picture was beautiful. The whole movie was how much bullet time can we squeeze in, which you mentioned in your review, and, and I totally agreed. You know, every time we saw a scene where ninja stars or bullets flew at the screen and shit, I was like, all right, I got it. I got it. The shit's in 3D. I got it. Thanks. But why the fuck was the shower scene in bullet time? Yep. It, it was absurd. I mean, you, but again... The 3D thing is, is something that if, if, in a few years when you can do the 3D, which is, it actually has already been happening based on CES, when you can do 3D without glasses like the 3DS is doing, I feel that the technology is going to take off a lot. I just think that the expense at this point, especially with what we discussed, where you have to pay, you know, you get a, two pairs of glasses and a 3D version of Avatar for 400 bucks and it's going on eBay for as high as $2,000, the technology is not at a point where people need to be shelling out that sort of money. 
where, you know, you buy a TV, you get two pairs of glasses, you got two kids, and you want to buy two more pairs, and they're 150 bucks a pop. I just want to stop you for a second just for the, the audience. Just so they understand that what you were talking about that's going on eBay for $2,000 yep. is not 3D glasses, it's not a TV. They're yep. paying that for the fucking 3D Blu-ray of Avatar. Yep. Idiots that's are it. paying $2,000 or more for a fucking Blu-ray of yep. Avatar just you because it. it's in 3D. Yep, you saw it. And you know what? For Hollywood to sit there and to tout that they're, they're, they have the lowest box office number since 1996. Let's be fucking honest. You got, you got a, a handful of great movies that Hollywood put out in 2010. But amongst that handful, there are complete steaming piles of fucking baby diarrhea. Complete steaming piles of it. What the fuck do they expect? And then the economy's in the shitter. Who's going to pay $20 to see the Green Hornet in fucking 3D? Who? I need to know, because it sure as fuck ain't me. My thing is what you mentioned earlier with Resident Evil. They say that that was like the best movie of 2010 for the use of 3D, and I disagree. I saw this shit in 3D IMAX just so I could review it for the site, and it's like, yes, it did look great, but, I mean, I watched Despicable Me a month ago, and I'm like, the use of 3D in this movie made more sense, and this movie didn't even need to be in 3D. Neither did go. Resident Evil. Because, I mean, the use of the minions was better, th- way better 3D. Just the end of the movie was better use of 3D than the entire Resident Evil movie. Well, here's, here's something that will add to this in regards to Hollywood complaining that they're not making enough money. And I'm just going to read you this blurb. According to Deadline Hollywood, Mick G., who you already know did the beautiful job with Terminator, is the top choice of Universal to direct a movie called Ouija based on the Ouija board. Jesus Christ. The Hasbro board game is going to be turned into a feature film with the supernatural board opening a gateway to a family-friendly adventure. Again, you want me to pay 10 bucks or more, because it'll probably be in 3D. You want me to pay more than 10 bucks? For a movie about a fucking board. And that's the other reason why box office numbers are so low. A Ouija board opens a gateway to family-friendly adventures. Shouldn't a Ouija board open like a gateway to hell or something? That's what I've always it's known that it's going to do. It's the freaking specification of Hollywood. Everything's yep. fucking PG-13. Yep. It's like WWE Raw. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I had to share that with you, and I knew that would probably get a phone call out of you, that Hollywood would sit there and bitch about the the lack of money that they've made. Gee, here's a hint. Let's put out some better movies, and let's stop freaking burying the good movies under the shelf. Freaking 2010, kick-ass, got no love. Scott yep, Pilgrim. got no love got shit all over on, and anybody in the chat, if you picked up Machete this week, could you press one? How many people got that Blu-ray? Or even shit, DVD? I'm, shit, I'm picking it up this weekend. 
It's like, how many people even knew that that shit was out? Nobody. By the, the way, greatest, one of the greatest movies that come out in 2010. I, I will give you I will give you this bit of news that'll make that'll add some uh, at least a, a little a little happiness to you. The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced that seven films were in contention for the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. The seven films remaining are the following, and I'm sure this will make you happy: Alice in Wonderland, Harry Potter, Hereafter, Inception, Iron Man 2, Scott Pilgrim, and Tron. Now, one thing I just want to say, and as much as I'm happy that Scott Pilgrim's there, right. because everybody gets mad when I shit on Inception, Inception absolutely deserves that award. Okay. Well, out of the seven, they're going to eliminate two, and then the five films that are remaining will receive the final nominations. Gotcha. Yeah, but, at, you know, it's nice to see that somebody actually took notice of the fact that Scott Pilgrim, from a visual standpoint, was very well done. Exactly. Regardless of whether you hated the story or not or you thought it just wasn't for you, that's fine. But visually, the movie was flawless. I mean, common sense says that if Tron doesn't win that award, somebody's you know, at Tyrone Biggum's $450,000 crack party. But, I mean, there's some good contenders in there. The, dude, Tron, Inception, you know, a lot of people have been shitting on Tron, which whatever, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not at liberty to say whether I, I agree or disagree. But, again, you know, you, you have you have Inception probably, I, I can probably see Inception taking it. Um, Alice in Wonderland by a long shot possibly only because, you know, that movie was just fucking crazy in terms of the visuals that were used. But Inception pushed the envelope, especially from the way it was filmed, and uh, Tron Legacy as well. That's what I said. I mean, as Inception absolutely deserves to be there, but as beautiful as it was, I can only see it winning in the absence of Tron. I'm not calling Tron a good movie. I'm not calling it a bad movie. But visually, I can't see any other movie winning that with Tron in the running. Fair enough. That is true. With, with Tron in there, it's I, I, like I said, it's either going to be Inception, Tron, or, or Alice in Wonderland on the sneak. And it, I, I'm just hoping at this point that Scott Pilgrim doesn't want him getting knocked out because at least if the shit is is nominated, people will be like, oh, what's this movie? True. And if it wins it, it'll be an, an Academy Award winner for Best Visual Effects. And, you know, you can slap that on a box, dude. <laughs> you know that. You can slap it right on a box. Be like, winner of Best Visual Effects. And anybody who's a, who's a, who's a movie buff that, that, that is all about picture and showing off their TVs is going to be like, wow, this movie won Best Visual Effects. Let me check it out. So maybe it'll definitely get some attention. I mean, not for nothing, I, you know, one movie that went under the radar that I actually used to test out home theater was a movie called Sunshine. And yeah, um, I have that. Exactly, and you know, you know, for in terms of visual effects, that movie went under the fucking radar. But when you looked at the visual effects used, it was fucking beautiful. That yeah. movie was crazy. I mean, anybody who hasn't seen it, you probably pick it up in Best Buy for like ten bucks. Check it out. 
Yeah, definitely, especially if you want to show off uh, a nice 24 hertz television or a nice 1080p set, should definitely check that shit out. Anything else to add, my friend? No, I'm good for today, man. All right, bro. Let me just wrap this up then. Thanks for the call, as always. All right, later. Later. All right. We are on the marathon to the finish right now. Let's let's wrap this up. Uh, Some plot details squeezed out for Monsters, Inc. 2, which is going to be coming out November 16, 2012. The movie is going to actually be a prequel, and it's going to reveal how Sully and Bob actually met on the benches of school at the University of Fear and how they eventually became friends. Disney Studios is going to be releasing that, probably also in Disney 3D and IMAX, so you'll be able to catch that November 16th. I actually like Monsters, Inc., and um, I'm, I'm not against the sequel to it. It was, it was an enjoyable family film for sure. In some other Disney news, Disney Studios went and released a press release that they will be releasing at least 15 films on Blu-ray 3D in 2011. This includes 3D versions of The Lion King, which I hope they release a regular Blu-ray version because I'm a huge fan of The Lion King, Uh, Beauty and the Beast, as well as Tangled and Tron Legacy. Other movies that will be getting the 3D Blu-ray treatment are going to be Bolt, Meet the Robinsons, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, G-Force, and Chicken Little. I can tell you right now, if done right, The Lion King definitely is going to look fantastic, and The Nightmare Before Christmas will as well. The LA Times reports that Stephen Sommers will not be directing the G.I. Joe sequel. Uh, Sommers, who directed the first one, The Rise of Cobra, will not step back behind the camera as Paramount is currently searching for a new director. The sequel is currently in the script stage, and it's being written by Rhett Reese, Rhett Reese, sorry, and Paul Wernick, who did Zombieland, are working on the first draft. I didn't totally hate the G.I. Joe movie, so, you know, as long as I don't get McGee or fucking, uh, what the hell is this guy's name? Brett Ratner to direct it. It, it, It's not going to be terrible. In some Scream movie news, the plot synopsis for Scream 4 got leaked out. Um, Pretty cookie cutter. Sidney Prescott, of course, played by Nev Campbell, is now the author of a self-help book and she decides to return home to Woodsboro on the last stop of her book tour. There she reconnects, of course, with Dewey and Gail, who are now married, as well as her cousin Jill and her aunt Kate, which, not for nothing, we're on four Scream movies. They lived in the same town that Neff Campbell's character lived in, but you never knew she had an aunt Kate and a cousin Jill. Where the fuck did you just dig that up? Nice plot hole. Unfortunately, according, according to the synopsis, Sydney's appearance also brings about the return of Ghostface putting Sidney, Gale, and Dewey along with Jill and her friends and the whole town of Woodsboro in danger. You know what would be fitting? To close out the Scream series and uh, have Neb Campbell be fucking Ghostface. That's it. It's, it. That would be the best way to close it, just her going nuts from all the trauma that she's endured and she ends up being Ghostface and kills like Dewey and Gale and and she ends up getting, like, committed at the end. There's some crazy shit. Something different. Last two movie news items, of course, the big announcement today was that Lucasfilm announced that they will be releasing the Star Wars Complete Saga on Blu-ray in September. You can already pre-order it on Amazon. You can either get the box set with all the six movies, or you can get a box set with the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy. 
A trailer for the Blu-ray release, of course, has been leaked online. I'm probably going to throw it up on the site later on. But 20th Century Fox has said that there's going to be three distinct sets. Like I said, the complete soccer, you're going to get all nine discs. The prequel, you'll get the three. And then the regular Blu-ray trilogy, you get the other three. The, uh, the complete saga is going to include the films, of course, highest possible audio presentation. In addition to that, you're going to get three additional discs that have more than 30 hours of special features, including never-before-seen deleted and alternate scenes, an exploration of the exclusive Star Wars archives, and much more. So you'll be able to pick those up, like I said, from Amazon. Um, you're probably going to be paying about 70 bucks for the trilogy box set and 140 for uh, MSRP for the nine disc set. So definitely check that shit out if you're on Amazon. I think Amazon you can get the box set for I think 90 bucks. I could be wrong. So definitely cool for Star Wars fans. I know that when I posted it on our Facebook fan page, a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's going to be the newer ones and not the older ones," which, you know, yeah, it, it kind of sucks that you don't get both versions, but hey, man, you're getting Star Wars in HD, and it's not taking 20 years for the shit, so you take what you can. Last bit of, of movie news is definitely a, a bit of what-the-fuck movie news to close it out. Jud Jub, Aptow has gone on to work on his next directing project, which, get this, is going to be a follow-up to Knocked Up. Variety is reporting that Aptow will write and direct the as-of-yet-untitled film, his first since Funny People, and that Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd will star reprising their roles from the original film. Of course, Mann's character played the older sister of, the older sister of Catherine Heigl in Knocked Up, and Rudd played Mann's husband. Nobody knows if Heigl or Seth Rogen are even going to touch this steaming pile of shit, but it should be coming out June 1st, 2012. What a way to wrap up the first show, huh? Definitely got to throw out some plugs. Of course, big shout-out to Billy from Beantown Gamer. Thanks for coming through. He did provide the code for Dead Space. I was going to put it on the uh, in the show in some shape, way, or form, but I feel that it just uh, it's not going to work right. I haven't found a way to do it. So what I am going to do is I am going to put it on our Facebook fan page right after the show, and um, I figured out how to do it. I am going to delete two letters in the code. If you can figure out what the last two letters in the code are, the game, the, the, the Dead Space Ignition game is yours. That's how we are going to do it for that. So definitely thanks to Billy from Beantown Gamer for that. You can check out Billy's work at BeantownGamer.com as well as all their podcasts, including, including the upcoming Cobra Clutch Radio, which, of course, is going to be not called Cobra Clutch Radio but will be produced under the Cobra Clutch Radio Productions banner. In addition to that, you can check out G-Kick and all the other work on BeantownGamer.com. Got to throw a shout-out to, um, of course, the VGN crew, VGNRadio.com, to check out all their show schedules. Don Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Of course, our content partners, MMA Valor and This Week in Wrestling Podcast. Um, of course, Josh from MMA Valor, hard at work, giving you the best news from MMA uh, with no fluff and bullshit free, head over there, MMAValor.com. And if you are interested in partaking in the chats, definitely hit them up on Fight Nights for their live chats. It's MMAValor.com slash chats, or chat, I should say. Got to give a shout-out to the girls at GirlGamer.com, MMAGospel.com, their show, of course, 
Wednesdays, 8.30 on the Block Talk Radio Network. This past week, they had Jason High, King Mo Lawal, and Gerald Harris on, so check that out in the archives. Look for them on iTunes as well. Uh, shout out to the Darksiders crew, Hayden Dalton, and the rest of the Darksiders staff. Uh, anybody else? Yes, BornStubberRadio.com, of course. How can I forget my buddy Blaine? Check out his show, BornStubberRadio.com, and look for them on iTunes. Of course, 411mania.com for all their kick-ass coverage of wrestling, MMA, movies, and video games. OCRemix.org for their music. MMA Junkie for your MMA news. And Film Drunk for your always funny kick-ass movie news. Last but not least, if you have to email the show for any questions or concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest, mtrhost at gmail.com is the email address, or if you can email mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter, mytakeradio on Twitter, or you can follow my personal account, which is akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25. If you're on MySpace, which is a total fucking wasteland at this point, myspace.com slash mytakeradio and of course our Facebook fan page have you joined yet are you going to be fan number 600 facebook.com slash mytakeradio or head over to our forums chat with all the other listeners all the fans about all the other shit we cover plus some stuff that we don't get to cover but is discussed anyway it's mytakeradio.com slash forums you've just heard mytakeradio episode 73 for Thursday January 7th, 2010. You can download this episode from the Blog Talk Radio page. It's blogtalkradio.com slash mytakeradio, or wait a few days and you can get the stereo version from iTunes. If you have the My Take Radio app, you will get the show there as well. Be on the lookout for a new My Take Radio website debuting next week, along with a host of other stuff. And next week, my guest will be Michael Jai White, and we'll be discussing... Black Dynamite, and a host of other projects that he is working on. So definitely tune in next Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, uh, 9 p.m. Pacific, uh, nope, 8 p.m. Pacific. That's it. Catch you guys next week. Our outro this week is going to be from OC Remix, and it's going to be Mission 2 from Contra Force by Nick Perrin. You can get that at ocremix.org. Catch you guys later. Peace. Ha <laughs> ha